Welcome to the T-Hud Popcast. I'm Moby. I'm Marty. And I'm Leland. Boys, big episode uh, here today. Episode wow. 28. Wow. The 10-year anniversary. <laughs> it seems like 10 years since we've actually done a podcast. But it's been a long time. Yeah, we're going to be actually recorded. Yeah, so apologies. Yeah, it's you can blame Marty. He had to fly to some obscure island to drink scotch, so... That's what held us up. Yeah, Barbados. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm in places too. I I don't. We Sorry need to talk spirits. Like. I think you got it mixed up. You know, oh, in Scotch. Yeah, Scotch I, I, from I, it was kind of a blur. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't really remember where I was. Well, I, I think it was fun. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, well, you, no, yeah. enjoyed sharing a bathroom with people in a hotel room. We spent lots of money. That for. was really good. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed my bathroom that was literally made out of a closet. Um, where whenever I turned, I opened the door because my shoulders were too big. <laughs> oh man, that was fun. I had the same thing in um, the showers in Paris. That hotel that I stayed in was. Uh, it was very tiny. It was clearly like an old house that was been retrofitted to a hotel. Great service, but like the showers were like you're you're in a coffin, and you literally you can't move <laughs> to wash yourself. It's like it's it was crazy. like final destination. It would just get hotter and hotter, and you just couldn't get <laughs> you out. Can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to contort myself in one because the shower door opened inward, and so I had to like suck oh, it in. Jesus, yeah, if I was dumb. any bigger, man. Yeah. The moral of the story is don't work out, <laughs> and then or you don't travel, or don't travel. Yeah. There you go. Or don't get married. Either one. We're the Either super fun podcast. <laughs> Either of those three. Yeah. You know, that is funny, though. Those three, like, represents us. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, don't travel. Marty, you just kind of default as don't get married. And then Moby, you're the don't work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, I know we're going to have tons of banter, and I'm expecting a Marty monologue. So, first thing I'll do is try to clear the short banter out of the way. Leland. Do you have any banter? Um, not not really, although there was actually something that came up this morning. I was watching just random YouTube videos. And I don't even remember. I don't even know what the channel was, but it was like a video about Bioshock. Basically, the premise of it was like, what the hell happened to Bioshock? And the very point he was trying to make really pissed me off because basically his point was, and he was going over some of the history of the development of the three games, right? And... The, the overall point was that we haven't seen or heard there's zero word about any type of Bioshock video game this generation. And he was upset by that. And that very that pissed me off because that's like epitomizes what's wrong with these fucking industries, especially the film industry. It's just like. Why do why do we need another Bioshock game? Why do we need a sequel to this this great standing franchise as it is? Like that really just pissed me off. Like maybe irrationally, but I just couldn't even watch the whole video because it was. And it's not like he was like antagonistic or anything. Like he was just he's like he was obviously a fan of the franchise and just wanted more. But like I just really pissed me off. You have a good point there, Leland. It's something I think that is really detrimental to all forms of entertainment really and we end up getting uh you know six transformers films and uh a call of duty every year and that type of thing and it doesn't need to stretch across every 
imaginable franchise out there. Yeah. In fact, sometimes we don't need a franchise. Sometimes that's wonderful. Like, I know. Some of these standalone that's films. what makes those things special. I mean, could you imagine if The Matrix never got a sequel? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we, did, I mean, we would always have this one film that was unblemished. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think what it comes down to is studios have always been risk-averse, and they're becoming more and more risk-averse. So all they want to do is make sequels of properties that they know they can get reasonably good bank on right instead of backing a bold new thing well speaking of which i was just uh in the theater yesterday and in the previews we, i went to see the incredibles too and in the previews was it, it, good? it was very good although i can oh, talk cool. about that in a minute um in the previews they showed a trailer for a new disney film kind of along the lines of the live action you know reimaginings of beauty and the beast and whatever i did not know what it was about for, until they told me at the end it was a, let me guess it was the second Jungle Book thing. No. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. Because there is like a live action Mowgli thing coming. Yeah. What's yeah. up with that? I have no idea. So it's a sequel to... It's a Netflix thing, I think. Yeah, it is Netflix. Whoa, oh, really? So I don't think it's related. Oh. But uh, so this... No, this is a Nutcracker film. Okay. Yes. It, it got the whole like pomp and circumstance, like big grand set pieces. Why? That's... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Why would somebody want to go see that? But, I mean, that goes to tell you, to show you, it's like, oh, okay, people sure love these Nutcracker things, you know? Or, like, uh, the Nutcracker, was it a play or musical yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, does that need a live-action reimagining in, like, a giant fantasy film? Like, why not just make a new fantasy film? Yeah, I don't know. Without seeing the trailer, it's difficult to really form an opinion out of context, but... Yeah, that seems very bizarre. It just seems so generically, like, uh, well, yeah, it is fucking generic, like, right? It's generic to appeal to a generic audience to reap in a, a generic amount of profits. No, it was it was just like, oh, here's a Disney thing. Yeah. Well, it's like now they're getting you know Dwayne the Rock Johnson to do Jungle Cruise because it's like. I guess it's a ride, and Disney makes movies out of their rides. So now we're going to have Jungle Cruise, because maybe we can bank off, you know, the ride that people go on when all the other rides have too long of a line. You know, I think (laughs) Dwayne is going to, like, ruin his own career doing this shit. Like, he started on that path of just, like, doing everything, like, Rampage. Well, on Skyscraper. Skyscraper, yeah, he's just doing it. Like, why is he, he, the guy's just a workaholic and loves to work? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think he is that. Uh, I mean, in general, he's actually had a really good track record. Rampage and Jumanji were big sleeper hits. Um, I don't think Skyscraper so much was, though. Now, but you so they made money is basically what you're getting. They not only made money, they made way more money than they thought they right. made. But that's also another problem, which, again, we I mean, this is what, it's what we're talking about. The money talks. That doesn't make a good film. Just no. Just because you sell a bunch of tickets does not make a good film. True, but that's irrelevant to Hollywood. Well, exactly, and there, and there, therein lies the problem. I mean, the Big Bang Theory was what the most popular show on television for how many years? Yeah, it's not a good television show. It's not that great. No, no, no. It's pretty mediocre. It like it it plays real hard up to that whole ooh nerd culture thing where that it that barely scratches the surface to still appeal to a generic audience. Yeah, right. Like no, it's it's bullshit. It, it puts this facade of what it mm. says it is and wants to be. Yeah. But uh, dang it, it's for sure easy to say something's a uh, terrible form of you know media or whatever when you know ten million people 
still like it. So clearly, it appeals to somebody. Right, right, right. So there's some there's value there, right? Yeah, yeah there is value. So I mean, is that pomp- pompous of us to you know rip into it? Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe I don't know. But do I care? Okay, yeah, no. who gives a fuck? I don't yeah. give a shit. Hmm. If I don't like something, I'm going to fucking voice my opinion on it. Yeah, and I think that's good. Like, that's necessary. And, right. and when it comes to, like, un- unnecessary. Unnecessary. This is, you know, the one-year anniversary. We'll be called, they'll be called back to all this episode. Oh, it's an unnecessary podcast. We might as well talk about unnecessary <laughs> media. Yeah. Well, then, so, and then I was thinking about that, too. That led me to think that how different, really, the board game industry is. Um, again, because you don't have that big huge studios or developers or producers being like okay what's going to make us the most money it's people for the love of the hobby making these games and you know uh, countless publishers and designers are in it not to make money but to make a great game that they want to share with people that's Mm -hmm. where crowdfunding can certainly help that type of thing and also i think the the equivalent in board games would be something and anything tabletop would be something like how Monopoly releases 800 versions of the same game. Yeah, you know, that would, that's yeah, that actually, would be probably that's a really the good point. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because very rarely, like, you don't get sequels of board games. I mean, Monopoly two. I mean, actually, just recently, we actually did. We got Empires of the Void two, which is a straight up sequel from Empires of the Void. But the closest we really get to that are all these different iterations of Zombie Side from Cool Mini or Not. Um, like I don't know how many different types of zombie sides there've been. They're always on Kickstarter, and they always make well over a million dollars. Like it's insane. That's pretty impressive. It's insane. Uh, so this is why I don't understand why Simon continues to use Kickstarter. It's just a pre-order system for them. I don't understand it. I guess if it works, they make yeah, but they're they're paying they're paying the ten percent kickback to Kickstarter on millions of dollars. Yeah, projects like I that's, yeah, that's hundreds of point. thousands of dollars that point. they're. I, that they couldn't be putting somewhere else. I is I don't it 10% know. Ten percent kickback on Kickstarter. I, as far as I know, yes. Holy Kickstarter gets ten percent of of what you raise We're to in use the their money. platform. <laughs> I know, right? So I don't know why they continue to use Kickstarter. Maybe I, obviously maybe someone. I guarantee. You know, like, maybe like we're definitely selling these. But you know what, though, the search function on Kickstarter is not that great. No, if you don't know the exact title of what someone has put up their project as. It's impossible to find. Very difficult to find. Hmm. I, kind know, of hard to find. Okay, not really. That, yeah, okay, it's pretty. No, I'm just kidding. It's not impossible, but clearly there's difficulties. You said 30 things there. Which one is it? <laughs> well, I don't know. We need to, at some point, I think, do a segment on crowdfunding and how it yeah, affects we could, different we could media. We've, we briefly, we we briefly have, but I think about we can delve bit, into it for our three main subjects. Oh, I think so, too. Um, I mean, specifically, now you and I, Moby, involved with this Evil Dead 2 bullshit. Oh, yeah. We got we yeah. to gotta bring that we up definitely and dive into that. that I'll that. make a note as content director. Ugh. Thank you. Um, my banter, my only piece of banter is about Kickstarter, so I want to jump in. And I just want to actually give a shout out um, to Goldhawk uh, Interactive, who makes uh, Xenonauts, um, which is a game I have I really like. I got it last year. They came out with a sequel that also went to Kickstarter, Xenonauts 2, which actually isn't a sequel. It's just a highly upgraded version of the first game. Much better graphics, way more content. Oh, I might actually enjoy this one. <laughs> Did I buy you the last one? Yeah. Okay. It's really hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea, to use a British analogy. Um, I wouldn't know. I was in Barbados. <laughs> yes. Yes, you were. Could you okay. use a Barbadian analogy, please? Uh, it's without uh, sounding it's, racist. It's not your. It's 
<laughs> it's not your stem of sugarcane. That's pretty That's good. Big yeah, right sure. Um, but what's really cool, what I liked about Xenonauts 2 is I was going to get it, but I wasn't sure I was going to kickstart it. But then when I looked at it at one of the lower backing levels for what really only worked out to being like 60 bucks Canadian, you got the game, you got the soundtrack, you got like a t-shirt, you got all the typical stuff that you get at that level. But then they were going to send you a program that lets you make a character in your likeness. And you send that, there's a code that gets generated with your character and you send that back to them during the survey stage after the Kickstarter was properly funded. And what this does is actually puts your character in the game. And that's a big deal. I mean, a lot of games have a character generator that you can do to put a character in your own game. But to have it in every game is is really cool. And... I think there's a level of genius there in that for Xenonauts with all these different soldiers that come up in a recruitment pool and there's hundreds and hundreds in even the first game, uh, it actually helps the developers that they don't need to sit and brainstorm random names and nationalities and pictures for these different um, characters because they're just getting tons of backers to send them in. So can other players stumble upon your character as well? Yes. Oh. Yes. That's the thing. My character, with my real name, is in the game. Are your stats randomly generated? They are, but my nationality is not um, random, so it's Canadian. Um, And also, I got to actually make the picture that goes in the game. And I tried to make it as close to myself as I can. I would never pass off as an elite special forces agent in real life. But they surprisingly had glasses that are very close to my glasses, so that really helped out. That's funny. And uh, <laughs> then they cool, had a good nose, too. Yeah, I just think it's genius on a number of levels. And it's it's something that combines, uh, you know, kickstarting, which is obviously micro-investment, but with a really personal touch that I really haven't seen in other Kickstarters, I think I've seen at some very high-level backing levels, like you would get a game box personally autographed for you. But that's the closest I've seen otherwise. But to be in the game is really cool. So That's pretty cool, that's especially for the price point you got in at. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, mean, the game's probably worth $5, but still. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you got a t-shirt. Nice, Marty. Nice. Yeah. Well, okay. Marty monologue, let's do it. All right, so in the beginning... Marty created monologue, and, and it was, it was good. good. <laughs> uh, you know what? I got two things. I'll do the quick, fun one. Uh, you know, I actually bought a game for my Switch. In fact, I bought two games for my Switch, but only because I went on a long vacation. And Leland brought this up a couple weeks back, well, probably like three months ago, when we actually recorded the damn thing, uh, talking about if the Switch was really worth it if I was only buying games when I went on vacation. I don't know. <laughs> because now that I'm home, I don't know if I care enough about the games I bought to continue playing them. And oh, that's, that's a weird thing. And I I mean, it was, yeah, it was fun when I was on a plane. And the alternative was, uh, you know, being squished in my seat for 13 hours, twiddling my thumbs or playing, uh, you know, Celeste, which is like a super hard indie platformer, which kept me really busy till like five in the morning on my first flight. And then screwed up my sleep for a week. Um, but when I got home, I don't know. Factorio still exists. So it's kind of a tough decision. I don't know if I want to 
turn on my Switch and play a, you know, indie platformer. Or if I, and if I do feel like doing that, I think I'd rather do it on my PC. So yeah. I don't really know. Um, is that the Switch itself or is catalog of games? If those games were better, you don't want to play them. I think it's the Switch because I think I find it more convenient just playing on my PC. Ah, okay. So I don't think it's the catalog of games because it has a lot of... But uh, the Switch is built for convenience, Marty. I know. And I did actually, yes. so yesterday, even though it was hooked up to my TV two feet away, I still grabbed the portable version and, and laid in bed and played it. <laughs> so, I mean, I did do that. And maybe I will play them some more. I don't know. Because I picked up Octopath Traveler, which is like a uh, reimagining of like a sort of a SNES classic RPG. Uh, you play as... Eight different characters, thus Octopath. Really creative. Ah, I see. Yes. Okay. Uh, but the, so it's not about an octopus. No, nor a path. <laughs> <laughs> but these eight travelers, their stories don't apparently intersect at all, which is very strange. So they all have like their own unique stories. You basically start out with one, you do the origin story, and then from there you... You're encouraged to explore the world. You kind of have to because of like level caps, like get kind of high. It's hard to go to the next part of their individual story right away. Yeah. So you go and find another character and they'll be sitting outside a tavern and they'll be kind of like, hey, can I tell you about my troubles? And then you can watch their origin story and help them in their first little part. And then you continue on. But there seems to be very little interplay between the characters and hmm. very little reason for them to actually be friends, including some that like one, one's like a priest and one's a thief and you're like well how, why are these people helping each other out it's kind of weird because they're apparently i i don't know but from what i can tell is that there's very little actual interplay between the characters at any point in the game so you basically just finish eight unique stories they range from very good to okay that was mediocre and that's it and it's all framed around a very strong combat system but that seems really odd to me. Like, the whole point of it seems to be to be evoking, like, Final Fantasy VI. And mm. Final Fantasy VI has a lot of unique yeah, characters. that's right. But they all come together. They all come together. Yeah. In fact, that's the point of it. It's almost like these are, uh, you know, this is a wild bunch of people who unite under a single cause. And this, it's like, this is a wild bunch of people doing wild stuff by themselves. Yeah, and that's very weird and, a, like, would it just not be better served to have even half of those characters and tell better compelling stories with four characters instead of splitting up to eight and getting some crappy ones. Well, what's the, what's the whole, what's the point of the eight specifically? Is there, well, I, what I don't understand. Well, okay. First of all, another thing about the name Octopath is each letter in the name is a, the beginning letter of one one of the characters. characters. Okay. Yeah. First, good, good job there, developer. Okay. Um, (laughs) you know, I don't get it. Maybe Octopath is uh, an anagram and it makes a word yeah. that's more meaningful. Maybe. I don't understand why you wouldn't just make one, you know, unifying plot at some point. Right. That doesn't, even if it wasn't that good, you know. It, well, it's, it's probably because, like, Quadrapath doesn't sound as good. Yeah. But, I mean, keep it Octopath, but, like, Eight, these eight people come together, and then they uh, they service a main story. I mean, some of them should die. Something should happen. Yep. I mean, I don't think death necessarily. Why not? Because they're like the main characters. 
Yeah, but... I mean, I guess they kill Ares in Final Fantasy VII, so... Oh, shit, spoiler. Whoa! Oh, i edit that one. Oh, jeez. Um... Oof, I don't know. I too can't. soon, Marty. <laughs> can't, too soon. <laughs> can't pull that one off. Oh, oh man. Yeah, it's like the sixth sense when seeing dead people. Oh, no. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's kind of disappointing because the combat system's so good. It's a really strong combat system. It's all based on like character enemy weaknesses, and all the characters have different um, like elemental abilities and weapons. Mm-hmm. So, and different all the enemies have a certain certain weaknesses, ranging from one weakness to like five. And they have also amount of like, um, I guess, kind of like battle points. And when you uh, take away all those points through targeting their weaknesses, you break them and they're out of the, the turn-based combat for a whole turn. And they're also susceptible to any attack. So like they take double damage. So it really adds like a strategy to all these like major, like especially to boss fights. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I, we got to make sure I time it right, break the boss before he does his major attack and he's out and he can't do it. So I mean that's really fun. It's a really good combat system. But when you when you have all these eight different characters and like they really do range from like one is a, a thief with like pretty ha- ham fisted uh, dialogue, and then you know like a you know tootie patootie uh, uh, priestess, and then you have like a really interesting character who's like a dancer who's being like uh, who's under the thumb of essentially a pimp. It really seems almost off like away from all the other stories and like she's out she's like working as a dancer in quotations trying to discover these guys who killed her uh her father in front of her when she was a child and like that that one was really cool and the and the voice acting was pretty good and stuff like that but then uh then there's one the the first one i picked in the demo because there's a free three-hour demo if anyone's interested uh, yeah, and it carries over to the main game if you decide to get it. The first character... Oh, that's I, cool. Yeah, yeah. I ended up restarting because the, for, as far as I can tell, the character you pick first is always with you, but that might change later on. Uh, the, the first one I picked was this Huntress because her ability sounded cool. You can recruit any um, like enemies you find in the field, like beasts, and then capture them and use them for up to 10, 10 times in combat. And they come out and they um, will assist you in combat and they have like special abilities. But her voice acting is all done in like middle English. So it's all like very Shakespearean, but like times 10. And it's, it's really weird. And it's only her and everyone in her village. No one anywhere else. Uh-oh. Everyone else is normal, but just there. And it's really hard to even read it. <laughs> apparently, apparently in uh, China, because they ha- they don't have a like a I guess a localized version, so it's in English. And like these people in China who ha- have like you know okay English skills, they're reading this and they're like, "What? Like, what is <laughs> oh, this?" Oh man, they can't, so they can't understand the eighth of the game. Yeah, so there's like all these things where they're posting things online. They're like, "What the fuck is this? Oh, <laughs> what am I reading?" Wow. <laughs> it just seems really odd. But you know, I could go on for a bit. I, I will probably finish it i hope because i think i think it might open up a bit more i almost have all the characters and i'm hoping something kind of unifies it all because it's a fun game when it does come together and i'll review it down the road but um i have to stop because uh moby's given me the monologue sign so (laughs) (laughs) you know and everyone's just just letting me go m for monologue that's what i'm doing three fingers down oh i thought that was a gang sign 
Well, it is too, but I've adapted that, that's, that's, that's the West Side, isn't it? We got to be hard. Yeah. We got to <laughs> be hard podcasters. Uh, I do have one more thing because Let's I, do it. I do monologue. Um, but this one involves everybody. It's a, a macrologue. Is that the term for everybody talking? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, no, that's the term for when you fill up the bowl. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk about something that is a little bit controversial, listener. Uh-oh. We're going to talk about James Gunn. I want to get your guys' opinion on oh, this. Oh, yeah, the gun thing. Now I know what you guys are talking about. Yeah, it wasn't... It was, <laughs> I thought you were literally talking about a gun. Yeah, we were literally talking about like, oh, okay, uh, okay. gun violence in America. I want to get Moby's opinion Because that's so relevant. Yeah. Okay, so just for a little backstory in case listeners been um, living under a rock or a town way up north in the prairies that doesn't get uh, good news communication... <laughs> Um, but still gets podcasts somehow magically. We're we are the sole source of credible news for Northern Canada. Yeah, <laughs> God help Northern Canada. <laughs> um, James Gunn was fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three after a number of tweets for dirty jokes. Some were explicitly dirty. Some were just innuendos surfaced on Twitter from around the year two thousand nine. Uh, Gunn basically apologized and said, you know, this was my style of humor and I was, uh, you know, someone that was just trying to provoke. I was a provocateur, whatever that means. Um, And there was a backlash against him and he was fired. And a bunch of his defenders basically said, you know, how dare you get this guy fired for these things? You know, these were just jokes and this and that. And it turned into the people that wanted to get gun fired saying, well, now you're defending pedophilia. Because a lot of Gunn's jokes were were pedophile-based. Here's my thoughts. Um, free speech has to be free in the way that I think, um, unless it's a very egregious situation, you shouldn't have to lose your job and your livelihood. And I know that Gunn has millions and millions of dollars, and I'm sure he's not going to be on the street. But, I mean, being a director is his passion and his livelihood. This is his franchise. Should he lose it over some distasteful jokes? From, you know, nine years ago. I think it's a matter of principle more than how much money he has. No, and that, well, yeah, but that's what I'm getting at here. Is that, no, he should not have lost his job for that. And I have close family members that have been sexually abused when they were kids. um, And I still think that Gunn should not have been fired. Now, I probably would have personally boycotted his film. I didn't like some of his tweets. I didn't find them funny at all. I did think they went too far for even dark humor. Um, But I don't think he should have lost his job. And what worries me is that the right wing of the political spectrum always complains when the left wing pushes to get people who are on their side fired. Um, And now you know, people on the right have done it and give them a taste of their own medicine. Sure. But I just think it creates this overall toxic environment for the public. That's exactly what happened. It's that it became a politically charged, ideologically, ideologically based thing. And it was like these right wing people were coming down on gun because he's, he's very vocally anti-Trump. And that should be irrelevant to these films. Like, that should just not matter. And maybe he should have shut his mouth and not been like that. Like, maybe that's what 
is necessary. It's like, just, just stay out of it if you're in the public limelight, maybe. I don't think that should be the case, but it seems like that's almost your best decision is to just be like politically neutral as best as you can if you're in one of these positions, because otherwise you're going to offend somebody and they're going to find, you're going to get the farthest reach of that group and they're going to get you somehow. Mm -hmm. And that vocal minority is going to speak up and they're vocal. And that's what happened to him. And that's what happens to a lot of people on both sides of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It actually came out that a similar thing happened last week with Trevor Noah um, I think he's the host of The Daily Show now. Oh, what happened with him? Uh, similar tweets. He made some tweets that were calling Native American, or not tweets, but he had actually a stand-up comedy routine. Part of his routine was about ugly um, Native American women and how they're like not sexually attractive and ugly. And it was older material. For shame. <laughs> but it's like... Actually, in his case, I guess I'll give credit to Noah somehow. He, he basically said, they're jokes. I stand by them. And good for him, yeah, honestly. Yeah, good for him because yeah, yeah. nobody does that. They just cave. Yeah. And they cave facetiously to yeah. try to save their job. To be fair, though, James Gunn needed to cave about those jokes. Yes. Those, those weren't. Some of them were. Some of them were really, terrible. Like really the, the tree. Bad. The, the tree. I don't really want to get into yeah, some yeah, of them, but honestly. But um, we'll post a link, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I. I really don't know if he should have lost his job. I'm not, like, outraged that he got canned. But I think, like, the problem is that these 10-year-old tweets were purposely dug up to throw shit on gun, right? They were weaponized. Yeah, they right, were exactly. Weaponized. And I think That's that is the overarching problem with the whole thing, right? That really needs to be addressed. Um, I think Disney did what they had to do, though, honestly. Like... I will say they were in a hard position they really, considering yeah. exactly who Disney is. Right? I mean, exactly, right? They, yeah, I just, they, you know, yeah. You know, it's like, it's Disney. They, they still, even though, yeah, actually, Marty brings up a great point. It only really kind of started with parts of the Caribbean where they even got into like teenager, young adulty sort of stuff. This is a company that through like 90% of their history is kid and family friendly. That's what they're known for. Yeah. And Gun's tweets were not kid or family friendly. If those ever surfaced to to a lot of parents with young kids who happen to be, you know, showing Gun's uh, Disney films, um, I mean, holy crap. Well, to be fair, though, you can usually remove the artistic man from something he said 10 years ago, right? right. I mean, it's like, right. but some people can't. Some people would see that. And I, I have seen a lot of comments online that said, you know, he should be fired. He should be this. And from a parental you know, view, not even just a ideological view. I do think, though, there needs to be a difference between what he did 10 years ago and then what I'm seeing a lot of, too, which is this comparison to, like, Roseanne, you know, and her, like, um, yeah. comments about um, that, that woman in the States. Yeah. And, but even that, I'm like, oh, and it, there needs to be a, I don't think there needs to, the issue is there shouldn't be really be any line, I think, honestly. At, at that point, it's like free speech, needs to be free speech yeah. because who gets to choose when it's not it's either we get to say anything and deal with the consequences right like you know maybe people will just be like hey like what you're saying is ridiculous and we disagree but does that mean that we're going to shun you from the world and like from media i don't know 
I don't know if that's the right choice either. Well, what you're saying is how it used to be. Yeah. Like, boycotts used to happen that were arranged against people that said bad stuff, but it was never escalated to the level that we want them to lose their career. Not like their job, but like be blacklisted for their career, which is what, you know, I think has happened with Gunn and certainly with Roseanne. I mean, oh, she, yeah. her, her TV show when that came back was super popular. Like, it was blowing yeah, up the it really was it really was and, and she she killed it for the, everyone else on the crew which yeah. I, everyone was choked well they're i thought they were continuing they're gonna try to continue they with are oh they really are yeah they are but you got to remember that a lot of people that supported roseanne's show were supporting roseanne and the fact that she was politically conservative mm. and playing a politically right. conservative family for right. the most part and those people are probably not going to watch the show moving yeah. forward without yeah it. so it's going to take a huge hit um, so, okay, so if you, Moby, don't believe Gunn should have been fired, then what is the recourse? What ha- what should it, what should happen in these situations? What else can happen? Well, I, I mean, mean I, we've already said we, the studio, regardless of who the studio is, in this particular case, regardless of what studio Gunn was working with, these pedophilic uh, tweets and, and comments are not – that's not – Nobody should be putting up with that, right? That's that's not applicable anywhere. So, yeah, Disney is this huge, big company, but if it was a smaller studio, like what does that studio do? Like what? How? What's should 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 Gunn be excuse, should have excused himself from the project instead of I, being fired and I putting that, it on the studio? I think that would have been ideal, yeah. but the studio wouldn't have that. I mean, if I were the studio manager, I would have moved him to a producer role is kind of a little spank on the butt, but he wouldn't have lost, you know, his, he wouldn't have been completely removed from the project. I would have brought in a new director because I think frankly, to keep the guardians of the galaxy's unique tone, you need gun. That's why he directed those segments in Avengers affinity war. Right. If you remember, because he's the only guy that really has a grasp on the unique humor and feel for guardians of the galaxy. So I would have done that. It would have been kind of like censure, but it wouldn't have destroyed his, um, you know, career. I would have probably put out a statement saying, you know, we disagree with this statement. It doesn't represent us as a company, but, you know, he's a valued employee and he makes really good movies for us. And now, okay. So now had, had these, had he put these same tweets out three months ago, what's your opinion then? I think that changes it. I think so too. He's got to be out of there. I do think so because. He would be making these outrageous comments at a time where he had just signed like a new contract with them. You know, it was it was fresh. It was a different. Right. He he he's making those comments knowing he represents this particular company. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, considering especially these tweets he had, they're deleted. You know, they're dug up through the ways people dig up screen capture tweets. or whatever. Exactly. So. If he knew they were bad to have and to right. have online and to show. He's apologized for things in the past. Uh, I, I did see a few other things people dug up about him that I didn't think were nearly as offensive. I thought they were, that was kind of just going too far. You know, everything he did was now, you know, taboo, right? Um, right. It's like, oh, you make one bad comment and now oh, everything you ever said is some somehow evilly inclined, uh, which I really disagree with. <sighs> I, well, I sorry to interrupt you yeah. uh, before you finish your point, but like I would hate 
to be judged solely on some of the stupid fucking things I did 10 years ago. Well, me too. And I that's did some dumb fucking shit 10 years ago. That's exa- all, everybody that knows me knows that I did. And that's exactly where, I, where I was coming from with this. You know, I, I, I was on vacation when I read this and I was like, man, like, I don't want to be held accountable for something I wrote online 10 years ago because I've, yeah. I've, I'm sure I've written terrible things online. Yeah. And now, if they were said as a joke, I, I, well, right now, I would say I would not apologize for them because I don't think, even knowing that they were bad, I would say I wouldn't apologize for attempt to be funny, you know? In his case, man, they're pretty bad. And he did the right thing to save face. But, you know, I, okay, so Adult Swim had something similar happen with uh, Dan Harmon. Oh. So Dan Harmon had a, a video that somehow got leaked again, you know, as these things often do. Again, he was um, vocal against Trump, so um, someone spoke, someone found something about him, and he made a video that was, like, mocking Dexter, and mocking how Dexter you know, made it okay to, like, watch a show about serial killers, and just kind of made it kind of, like, almost like PC, and he made a... Uh, right, it's so glorifying murder exactly. and sociopathic yeah. tendencies. He made one with, like, this guy, and I guess he was a pedophile. And he was like, yeah. Oh. And... <laughs> And it was like, a, a, okay. and, and in like the intro scene that was, I guess, sort of like Dexter, he was like kind of, he was like doing a baby doll. And oh, uh, fuck. Exactly. And he, he said, he never made a second episode of this thing because he right away, he's like, oh no, nobody should watch this. So right. he, he never released any more of it, I guess. And it just kind of went away, but that got dug up. So he, his reaction was, oh, I'm deleting my Twitter because this is just ridiculous. And because he was being bombarded with yeah yeah and Adult Swim who airs Rick and Morty although of course this is a completely different situation because Adult Swim plays you know some pretty uh, yeah out there uh, stuff you, right you want some lewd crude and tattooed you can yeah. go to Adult Swim and find yeah it, right? they said this does not our con we don't support this none of our content supports this blah blah which right. I could argue that some of the jokes I've seen on some of these shows kind of does make light of the very similar subjects right yeah, yeah. but whatever. Um, you know, they were covering their butts too, I guess. And they said, but, you know, um, we're going to, they didn't say they're going to get rid of Harmon. They just said, we don't support this view, you know, yeah. and I guess it was kind of like that along those lines. Like if he had put that out yesterday, they probably would have canned him. Yeah. But they did the right thing there. I think they, you know, this was something old. He made a poor judgment call and yeah. we don't support that judgment call. Right. And if he does in the future, we'll make, we'll take, you know, measures. Yeah. Would there? We actually had a, a pretty similar conversation in uh, I forget what episode number it was, but it was uh, the day the laughter died when we were talking about where comedy movies have gone and where they will continue to go, and we we brought up some differences between, especially in Trevor Noah's case now, the difference between a stand-up comedian's performance and like a, a film or a TV show, uh, each portraying the same content. And the different applications for both and the different scenarios both are put in and your expectations for both when you view them. So, yeah. So, like, would if Gunn was making rape jokes instead of pedophilia jokes, would would there be a difference? Would there – would the outcry be modified in some some way? I think it would be because I think – that is probably the worst thing you can make a joke about. Yeah. 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 That's pretty, pretty bad. Right. Especially in this culture in Hollywood with, you know, women being, you know, targeted and, um, 
you know, whatever. But a lot of like um, young kids entering into these situations too, suffering from similar situations. It's not something that is easy to joke about, and it's certainly something that people are sensitive about. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's not something that's easy to joke about. You can make jokes about anything, but it's something you probably shouldn't joke about. And certainly, I mean, geez, though, like stand-up comics. I mean, where do you draw a line there, though? Because I don't know. I we were just talking about uh, Bo Burnham before we started recording, and some of his jokes are very much along those lines. I was watching his stand-up. They really stuff. are, yeah, yeah. And especially nope. some of his older stuff and when he, he was younger himself. Yeah, and but I watched one last night from 2016, yeah. and it still had stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Yet, there's never been an outcry about him because of who he is. Uh, and because of the level of fame that he's achieved? He's not as notorious. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a different, yeah. there's a notoriety factor, too. That's true, but he has, he's, he certainly has a big fan base. Yeah, he does have his, his niche, for sure. Um, but, I mean, he's, he straight out has some very misogynistic aspects to his humor. It's tongue-in-cheek, and it's yeah. meant to be funny. But, I mean, if you were just to take that at face value, you would think it was terribly offensive. Yeah. See, and I think the difference there lies in if you don't like what Burnham is singing about, then you don't need to view his content. Yes. But in a movie like Guardians 3, if you're a fan of the franchise, right. but you don't like what Gunn has or did stand for in the past or did in the past, that's a more difficult choice to make because the material really has nothing to do with that. The movie itself... And the audience it's pertaining to has nothing to do with Gunn's audience. Like, maybe that's, I'm convoluted in what I'm trying to get across. No, I, 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 I get what you're saying. It's because he's he's representing something bigger than himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I agree. But I also think there's something terribly wrong when you see this happening across the board, but it's not consistent at all. You Like, one comedian seems to be completely, you know, it's acceptable for this comedian. But then you'll see something like Daniel Tosh. And he, he got severely attacked, I think, last year um, mm. because he made a rape joke at a comedy club. And it, in his situation, apparently, what he did is he, he wasn't supposed to be on stage. Someone asked if he would just kind of jump in and do a 10-minute set. He had nothing prepared. Oh. He went on stage, said, well, I have nothing prepared. What do you guys want me to joke about? Someone yelled, rape. And he said, well, what is there funny about rape? And some woman said, nothing, blah, 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 and started going off because, you know, someone was very, right. uh, you know, ex- opinionated, opinionated about it. Yeah. So then he said, well, wouldn't it be funny if five guys raped you right now? Because she's, you know, interrupted him. So he jumped down. Oh, he, he, okay. he killed her as a comedian, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it really super it's, funny? Yeah, no, no, but, not, but I get what he's trying to do. You know, he's playing off a situation yeah. he's put in, right? Yeah, yeah. But that all that all that happened there was they took that quote, and they turned that into context. a joke. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then he was lambasted for that. Yeah, but I mean, even in context, that's pretty brutal. I mean, like, because generally when a comic is doing a routine, it's never directed at a specific person, uh, unless they're that type of comic. Yeah, yes, that's I true. Know, yeah, there are like yeah. insult comics, right? Yeah. But I don't know. Are there? But is he, there a comic she, that you can think of that? But she's a at that point she's a heckler, you know. So he he was just going okay, fine. Yeah, I know. But I mean, she's a heckler in the sense that she's stepping in 
in this impromptu show. She's not a heckler in the sense that she is trying to interrupt it or something. Yeah, or or that she's uh, disagreeing with the jokes or is angered by the jokes that the comedian himself themselves have, have put out there. But yeah, I, I understand again yeah. that's splitting hairs. Yeah, like, you're right? at a comedy show. <laughs> Don't just start spouting off about your beliefs. Well, I, I don't mean, know. Tosh, Tosh never should have got on that stage. Well, you shouldn't even got on the stage. Like, you know what? I got nothing prepared. I'm just going to enjoy the show that I came here to watch. Like, oh, what else? No, no. I, I agree. I think you know, in that that position. But he probably never thought of it as being a dangerous position for him. He's like, I'm a you know, I'm an experienced well, comedian. Now I'm sure he does. Oh, I'm sure he would never do that again. Yeah. Which that's kind of sad. I mean, it would be fun if you were at that show and all of a sudden Daniel Tosh is sure. on stage, right? Yeah. And now that's never going to happen. I mean, how similar is that to like being at some concert and then like some other bigger name guy on the audience kind of steps up or whatever yeah like you're like at, similar stuff right you're at a bieber concert and then like uh selena gomez comes out yeah for a duet <laughs> oh man <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh how about we talk some trains yeah yeah, yeah. oh fuck yeah. okay did yeah I, did we solve that problem at all or no we didn't solve shit at all you know what when we're talking about it i'm fine with james being fired i think i think i am i think i'm i'm okay with it because I don't. I think dump, putting him down to the producer role is is a bullshit solution. One Moby, <laughs> like All that's right. barely a slap in the. I don't. I know. think you either fire him or you don't. I think so too. I think I think you're you're left. Disney is left for that choice. You're, right? You either say we highly disagree with this, you're gone, or we highly disagree with this, don't ever do it again. I think those are your only two options. No, I I get that. When I think about it, I get that because you know if you just move him to a producer role. He'd obviously still be pulling all the strings, and it'd be seen as just giving like pathetic window washing. Well, and I, I think the bigger issue there is that his name is still affiliated with it, right? Sure. That's where it comes the you do or you don't thing. Yeah, I it's a case where being, you know, lukewarm is the worst decision you can make. Yeah, right. There's no middle of the road there. I don't think. Yeah. Maybe he just doesn't direct any of the scenes with children, and then we're fine. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> no more baby Groot. <laughs> <laughs> tree. Oh, oh no! What? It explains even... so much about that terrible plot point in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just straight up called James Gunn a pedophile. I support him. I you support pedophiles. I support comedy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that made into a teacher. Oh, I support comedy. Man, oh man. Hi, Marty. Okay. Anyways, after two hours of banter, let's move into Ooh, the first I'm real sweating. Segment. That was like so a bonus way. segment. Dang. It's it's it warm really in here. Yeah, it's warm. It's, oh. it's August, and it, these are flashing me right back to our good, the good old days when we first started. That's right. All right, but that's not what we're talking about yet. Marty, you want to lead us in? Yes. It's time for the Video Game Variety Show. And this episode... I have to flip through my paperwork. <laughs> You know, no, I had to because in our show notes, it's it's labeled like the segments labeled Factorio, Factorio, Contos, which <laughs> is only a joke that Leland and I would get. No, a fans of American Dad would get that yeah, joke. Maybe, but like Factorio, Factorio, Contos. Yes. So there's an episode of American Dad. If, a, a couple. That ca- the yeah, character yeah, reoccurs. Occur, yeah, it is really funny. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Stelio! Yeah, he's just yeah. like this childhood bully of Stan, right? Yeah, Stanley? and he has the theme music that plays when oh, he beats him up. It's so good. 
Yeah. I hope you get that, listener. I really hope you have a chuckle over that because that's fucking yeah. funny. If you, if you get it, you're going to laugh. If you don't, you're going to probably turn us off and never turn us back Especially on again. Especially since we've now talked about this in, this you know little reference for five minutes, which kind of defeats the purpose of making it a reference. Yeah. Is as it, we are wont to do. Is this, is this meta humor? No, I don't think this is humor. It's just meta. <laughs> <laughs> meta unhumor. <laughs> well... <laughs> I'm waiting for the Holy segment shit. to start. It's, nice it's, and it's been a long time since we recorded. It's been like six weeks since we actually recorded. That's fine. You know, you can edit this out in post. You oh, never yeah. do. I but, can fix it. You know, we can talk about it. I could I just listened to the one where you said you were going to edit. Where we were like, we'll edit this out. And we, you never <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah. Actually, in episode 27 specifically, I left in uh, a bit of something that I, I probably would have taken out. But I purposely left it in just... Um, because of my guest appearance on uh, Across the Board Podcast and the topic that they spoke about and um, basically viewer and, you know, content consumer expectations and input and et cetera, et cetera. That was interesting. I kind of want to we'll, – we'll maybe talk about that in the next segment. Yeah, maybe. Because I, I do have some thoughts on that specifically, what happened to them. Uh, oh, good. Okay, cool. You know, we can maybe – it is our one-year retrospective, so we can maybe – introspective? Introspective. Yeah. What's the difference between retro and Intro? retrospective? Well, Moby Smart. Introspective is looking no. inward. Yeah. Yes, and a retrospective is looking back, but that's not necessarily looking inward. You can look back at external content. Yeah. So introspective has to be yourself. I see. So I guess it's so, a retrospective. Yeah, it really is a retrospective. No, but we're critiquing ourselves. I think there will be parts of our retrospective that, that will be become introspective. introspective. Okay, okay, okay. But the overall wow. thing is a retrospective. It's time for the video game variety <laughs> show. <laughs> right. And Factorio. this episode is titled Factorio. Factorio Contos. That's not how you say it, but hey. You know, <laughs> we're going to review Factorio. Finally. It's time because... It's time! To begin the Factorio review. This game has a 98% average positive rating on Steam right now. Wow. I agree with that. Yeah, worth it, man. Worth it's, every goddamn penny. Man, worth every minute, I do worth not every know hour. if there is a more addictive game I have ever played. I don't know that. It's nuts. It's nuts. I mean, I've, I've got some stories. We'll dive into some stories. I think it deserves it, man. Like, It's so good. It, like, it grabbed me and it never let go. It's and kind of funny. Like, It invades your life. And ironically, it makes everything in your life unautomated. It disrupts everything. <laughs> everything you've built well, to work in your life. Such your, as a marriage. Your job, your home, <laughs> your your marriage. Taking your, care your of your dog. Bathing habits. <laughs> eating. Eating for sure. Like, I'm, not even, oh, yeah. I'm not even kidding yeah. about that. <laughs> okay, so we last talked about this and we actually went into a bit of detail in episode 25 during some banter as we were kind of explaining it to Moby, but maybe an overview again to yeah. refresh. So, okay, it was uh, created in 2014. Uh, you know, it was initially crowdfunded, which I, I didn't know at first when I was looking some of the stuff up on Indiegogo. And, you know, then later through like early release, it kind of uh, made some money to keep it going because initially it was one developer. Oh, wow. And now it's something like 15. So it's still got a pretty small team, but they're releasing uh, new updates pretty much every week. And it's it's rapidly approaching the full release. I think that should be this summer. 
So it's pr- that's crazy. Yeah, because it's still actually considered pre-release, but it's wow. been at the same price point forever. They're not going to bump it up. Probably it's just kind of like this is what we want it at. Here we go. It'll, we're just going to consider it full release soon. You know, at its core, though, it's it's just a resource management game, really. But it's so much more than that when you get past that core, and it doesn't take very long to do that. So essentially, you're a uh, a, a player character. You're uh, it, this is just the main vanilla game. You're you're thrown on a planet. You get there, you have a pickaxe. Do you even have a pickaxe at first, or are you just doing it? You have a weak pickaxe. You have like a little... start with a grabby one? Yeah, you start like a little picky hammer. Yeah, and you basically are just chiseling out segments of the map. So there's there's iron, there's copper, there's coal. Stone. Stone. And then Oil eventually. Oil, yeah. Uranium eventually. But at first, you're just chiseling up copper or whatever. And you're just trying to build something... That can help you. So you're thinking, okay, I'm going to build a furnace so I can turn this ore into a bar. And then very quickly you realize that the game encourages you to make that process automated. So then you have a mining machine doing it for you. But that mining machine needs fuel. So you have to get some copper or some uh, coal. And that coal needs to be put manually at first into that machine. And very quickly that becomes very tedious. And for the first 10 hours of playing this game, I did not know how to do it properly. I had half of it automated, half of me running around with like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to <laughs> input things and just, I didn't understand how to, how to make progress. I didn't understand how to fully automate. And that's, that's the beauty of this game. It's like, you want to get to the point where you don't have to do anything. Right. You do, all you have to do is just keep finding more and more resources to yeah. just feed into that machine. Yeah, that's right. That's totally right. I mean, eventually, you you basically want to get to the point where you have robots that will do everything for you. And if you need to be have something on your person, you can just ask your robots for it. Oh, I, and I, they'll come and give it to I'm you. I'm at that point now, and it yeah. is phenomenal. It's really good. I have little like segments in my game where I have just important pieces being made that I need, like uh, yeah. un- underground tracks and stuff. And because uh, you make conveyor belts, and some of them can go underground. And I find I use those up quite often, or splitters, which splits your conveyor belt 50-50. Yeah. So your resources are now going down two lines. And I find I run out of them quite quickly, and I don't want to run across my giant map. So I have I have it set up so my logistics robots just bring them to me whenever I'm under 50, and I'm always stocked. Which is, after playing the game for, I'm at about 70 hours, it is beautiful to not have to run across that map and just like, oh, I want this? Bring it to me, robots. Yeah. And, like, to see a swarm of robots bringing you, like, just copper or whatever or, like, something you need to build something just in spot right there, very, very handy. Yeah, it's really satisfying, too. It is. It feels really nice. It feels like everything you put into it comes together. Because, like, arguably by mid-game, you're going to have trains. You're going to have logistics robots. You're going to have oil. You know, you suddenly you've, you've cracked oil and you've got these pipes running and trains running your oil containers and... You've got a defense system set up around your base because we didn't even speak about the fact that you've got these uh, um, aliens living there. But well, you're the alien, I guess. You know, they're the native like yeah, species. Yeah, the, the native species. Yeah. And they're they're biters and spitters. They're like these little like kind of ara- kind of reminds me of like starship troopers almost. In a little bit, you know. And uh, I guess once you hit a certain pollution point, they're coming for you all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I I wasn't prepared when I hit that the first time. And they started invading me. Me neither, actually. You know, and it's it sucks. It sucks big time when that starts happening. And I spent probably 20 hours of my life trying to figure out how to deal with these guys. <laughs> and I got to the point where it was kind of kind of working, kind of wasn't. And I actually, myself, I turned them off, which you can do through console commands. You can just be like, you know, 
Spiders peaceful. And I did that because I wanted to enjoy the actual building aspects of the game. Yeah, there's there's definitely something to be said about, you know, the... You can make the argument either way, I think, for those spiders. I, I don't mind playing with them. Um, but yes, dealing with them does get really tedious when you... When later game, some of the functions you need to do and focus on do take a lot of time to set up. And, and a lot going. of thought. Yeah, so you're you're looking at this, you're trying to figure it out, and all of a sudden you have this warning that your you know quadrant, the right north quadrant of your base is being attacked by like thirty biters, and they've destroyed half your power lines, and now you have to go up there and kill them, and then reestablish everything you, that just got destroyed. Right. Yeah, and if those power lines happen to be one section of a chain, a network that you've created, and then it blanks out yeah. half of your fucking factory because you're Network is no longer connected to oh, this yeah. point. Oh, man, it's brutal. It's very frustrating. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm a little bit different than you guys. Um, I have the game. I put in, I don't know, I'd have to look, 78 hours, something like that. So I haven't got nearly as far as you guys. I don't even have trains, though I have the technology for them. I enjoy the game. Um, I think it's very original. I had fun. I had some moments where I was like, aha, or satisfied moments. But I never found the game the least bit addictive like you guys did. And I think that's to do with personality and how my mind's wired and just the kind of stuff that I like. So it's really interesting because you two are like on the exact same wavelength when it comes to this game. Oh, um, it is crack for me. Yeah. 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 Like I. OK, so I haven't really played it in a month because I went on the vacation for three weeks. When I got back, I knew I shouldn't turn it back on right away because I had stuff to do like. Yeah. In the real world. Yeah. And if I did, and I spent more than half an hour, it would be bad. Because I turned it on for I did turn on for half an hour, specifically for the review, because I wanted to just remember a couple little things. At first, I didn't remember how to do anything. It was it felt unintuitive for about five minutes, and then all of a sudden, everything was coming back to me. I was laying down tracks. I was, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I had the robots going. I could logistics was flying, and everything was good. And then all of a sudden, I'm I'm seeing problems again. And things I want to fix. And, uh, I know, right? Like, and that's where it gets you. It's like... Well, and the problem is the game is not conducive to stopping for long extended periods of time and then starting again within the same game. There's no logistical endpoints to well, stop playing. Well, yes, that's very that's very true, too. But like I, like you, uh, I was away for a couple of weeks myself and um, did not play. And when I came home last week... Uh, back to work, back to regular routine. I also purposely I neglected firing it up because I I knew that I couldn't. It would just it would literally consume me again. And I unfortunately played like four hours this morning before <laughs> you guys show up, and I'm up, I'm scared that I will not be able to stop again. <laughs> now that, <laughs> but my point is like I went back and then I like. I'm like looking at some of the bits of like half finished stuff I had. Like I ran this pipe of some heavy oil way down south in my base to an open area to do God knows what. <laughs> I have no fucking idea what I had planned there, and I don't know if I'll be. I'm sure that I took some time and looked in to figure out what I wanted to do, and you can only do so much with heavy oil. But like I stopped in the middle of doing this, and now instead of continuing what I was. Probably something important that I probably need. Otherwise, why would I start doing it? <laughs> now I don't know what it is, and I, I didn't get it finished today. 
No, well, it's the type of game where if I was to just look at your map and kind of just take a browse around, it would take me a long time to figure out what was going on. Because yeah. it's like you kind of get your own little flow going, like how you like things, how it works for you. Because you and I built completely different like yeah. maps, like entirely. Definitely. Like you've got a, a main bus of like things going on and uh, all your plates and what yeah you got your your plates on the bus right yeah i don't have a bus i mean i have like sections of the bus. a little bit of a a bus right. of uh iron and that splits off very quickly right yeah, yeah. And, and then everything's spaghetti right yeah you and know. so listener like the bus as we say that's just the term for this basically main run of conveyor belts that carry some of the more popular components that you would use to craft some of the more advanced stuff. And basically, from the bus, you split off these lanes of components with the splitters that Marty mentioned. Um, and if you do it properly, you, you're going to be taking off a little bit, but then balancing it back out so right, it doesn't exactly. actually screw up your, your flow. Right. Like, I have four lanes of iron, I think only three of copper, and... Yeah, it's, and that's a difficult part of it, too, is making sure all your stuff is balanced and optimally running and making sure your inputs are equaling your outputs. Mm-hmm. Um, if any one of those tip the other way, then you're not, of, of course, not going to be nearly as efficient as you want to be or should be. Well, especially because as you get further on, you're needing more and more complicated things and also more of those complicated things to make more complicated things. Right. So then you're making green chips, for example, which are computer chips. But then you need a certain amount of computer chips to make red chips but you also need a bunch of other items to make those red chips yeah so then your green chip output needs to be pretty high because you need them to make not only a few other items but you need to make the red chips which you need a ton of right and then suddenly you need blue chips so suddenly you right. need, which you require need a red a, chip which require a lot of green chips so you need a exactly. lot of green chips it which which need, needs a lot of copper wire and so you need a lot of copper plates yes yes and then you need to feed it a lot of copper uh, copper ore to your smelters to mm-hmm. be about putting those copper plates and you want those running 24 7 so right. you've got like four trains going exactly because you know, eventually you have the trains running from the copper ore deposits way out god knows wherever you can find them on this randomly generated map running them back to your main base oh for it's sure. insane yeah, it's interesting. You guys are touching on the part of the game that appeals to me more than the automation. The automation to me is a necessary part of the game just because of how it scales. But for me, what I really like is how it's, to me, it's basically a game about compound tool making, where you start with nothing. You start with a pickaxe and literally rocks or ores in the ground, and you get to that computer chip level stage by stage. You know, you you build the furnace, then you have to smelt, then you get those components and put it into something a little more complicated and you go up and up and up. That's what I really like is seeing that kind of development. And I think that's very attractive on a basic level to us as humans because that's what defines our experience versus like all other animals is that we've created these cultures from compound tool use, from starting with rocks and fire to get to nuclear technology. Really, even though it was done over thousands of years, it's not that much different than Factorio. Like, we started with rocks in the ground, too, and forests. Mm -hmm. And we built this culture. And I know Factorio totally simplifies that, but when you think about it, it's the same basic idea. And I just think that hits something really primal in our subconscious. Totally. And I think that's one of... There's a lot of things that uh, Factorio certainly ticks off on the checklist of uh, addictive qualities you know one of those is for that is specifically that i mean you look at the last 200 years of 
humanity is like we went from very limited technology to you know spaceships and when you're playing factorio you suddenly in 70 hours can go to shooting a rocket into space yeah probably not on your first game but it's doable right you know there's like an achievement to do it in like under like 15 hours or something like that oh yeah yeah i've heard maybe like 12 i have heard of people like speed running rockets or whatever right crazy yeah it's insane um, you know, and that's one of the major reasons I think one of them is for me was like the Eureka moments, which was when I finally understood a system for me, the biggest one was automating my science. So in this game, yes. you have a yeah. system of making uh science packs, which you can use to research different, uh, upgrades, essentially yeah, different and technologies yeah. and you work up the tech tree that way. Yes. And you, there's like a lab you have to put in science packs into doing the research. And then that's how it researches it for you. Um, at first, you you don't really, uh, it's hard. You know, you're automating certain things, but you might have a couple labs set up and you might be manually inputting them just to get like some more upgrades quickly. You very rapidly realize that is very unintuitive and very time consuming. So you want to try to automate your science output. And that's where the game was at first complicated to me because I didn't quite understand how to have like uh, be automating, you know, in these uh, assembly machines and then taking out of the assembly machines and turning them on another belt and then putting them in the lab like these science packs. Right. So that at first I couldn't wrap my head around. And when I finally did and I finally did it, I was just like, it was blissful. I felt so good. I remember I finally was like, I can I can sleep now. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember telling my wife and she just looked at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> can, can we spend time together again? <laughs> uh, no, we can't. Wife. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that brings up a, one of my, a good point that I wanted, uh, that I wanted to bring up. I'm already telling you that it's a good point because it's coming out of my mouth. Oh. <laughs> so, but what I very quickly noticed about this game is just the different routes of progression. Like Marty, you, you mentioned that your base compared to my base, totally different. Now, one, my particular game that I put the most hours is actually technically my second game as I restarted fairly re- fairly uh, fairly soon after starting my original game. Yeah, probably 15 hours in. Something like yeah, that. yeah, because I'm like, oh, this is all screwed up. I, I'm far enough where I, I'll just restart. Mm-hmm. So I have a bit more order in some of the beginning game stuff, but you quickly – once I got into stuff that I had not seen before or encountered or had no idea how to uh, future plan for. Oh, totally. It gets spaghetti. It gets spaghetti all over the place. Yeah. You, got, you got conveyor belts running stuff. God knows where. You got, I've got different components made on different ends of my map that I need to mm-hmm. somehow bring together because Which I didn't becomes- notice... I'd be like, oh, shit, I need these two for something else that I haven't even looked at yet. And thank God for logistics because now you can just... Yeah, thanks God for those robots. But the robots can do it for you. Yeah, now I just put those things in a requester chest or whatever yeah. or a passive provider chest and I can have... I, the robots can do it for me, because, which is great. Well, speaking of labs, I mean, by the end of the game, like, you need to have six different types of science pack going into these labs to do any research. Yeah. And to do that, and ha- if you were going to do it all in conveyor belts, it would be kind of tough. I did it. Yeah, well, I knew it was doable. I knew it was doable. But that's because I had a future setup where I was able to. Yeah. This my particular lab setup allowed me to do that because I future planned mm-hmm. for it. See, um, mine didn't. Right. So I just have um, requester chests now. Oh yeah, that, that, in, that works. Just, in the that other works two, perfect. And I they mean, just pass them all down. The, the only line. problem with that is, of course, there's there are downsides and upsides to that. Um, 
just mainly the power drain, which is a yes. big thing that I struggle with a lot in this. But back to the point I was trying to make is the progression. With that tech tree, you can go ahead and unlock a lot of that technology. Even with two different science packs, you can unlock a lot of that technology that uh, quite a bit of it you won't get to very soon after unlocking or even need to. So I, f- I felt that I over-progressed at a lot of points and I lost focus on some of the things that I needed to do. And then I found myself scrambling because I wasn't properly prepared because of that. Yes. Which I think is interesting. I, I I think there is an optimal route of progression for you, right? Where you're using the least amount of resources, the most efficient way for you, which I, you know, obviously that comes with veteran play. But I really like that aspect of, of learning how to achieve that. I think that's is a really cool part of this game that I really enjoy. This It's a really deep game for that aspect. I mean, there's really so many ways of approaching it. There's so, And people play, you know, with mods, without mods. Like, there's a ton of... There's a huge mod uh, community around the game. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people play, like, a variation of it called Death World, which makes, like, the biters, like, just monstrous. And they just, they just come for you, you Oof. know, right, right away. Yeah. So, it's a, essentially a survival mode. That's kind of cool. You know, and that's... it's To me, I'm like, no way, man, because, like... I mean, those biters were the most annoying aspect of the game, but they're also fun. Like it, it is. I know it's weird. It's it's satisfying clearing out nests. It is, and it's like really fun when you when you because like for me, I this was something that like you and I did differently. Is I set up a conveyor belt of ammunition around my entire base rather rapidly, so I could have auto-fed machine gun turrets everywhere. What I quickly realized is I did not make a big enough base. Oh, so your expansion was way more labor intensive. Yes. Right. And, so, and every so time what, I tried to, they were killing me. Right. So then what I originally had, I didn't even have a walled in base. Mm-hmm. I just had some sporadic turrets basically forming the perimeter. And there were a lot of holes that I left. And those smart biters are, they're very smart. They find those holes and they walk through the range of those turrets. Like they'll find them. They always pick the same spots. Yeah. They'll find them. You, you yeah. got a weak spot, they'll hone in on They them. never attack the same part of the fence twice. <laughs> they remember. <laughs> Little Jurassic Park analogy. So eventually, again, you've, you've, ref- you've, mentioned your reference you were making so those people that got it don't feel special Moby you always do that stop doing that meta on humor yes but my point is so so eventually I was like you know what I'm just going to make a laser turret defense grid which I did and I finally made a wall so now it's actually incredibly easy for me to expand which I have been doing and I have needed to I just move the wall and then I run turrets along that wall again and then I take out the section that I've kind of looped around right mm-hmm. so like I certainly easier with the uh the electric tur- turrets, for sure. Oh, yes. Laser, laser turrets. turrets. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I waited until I was able to make those. And again, though, I <laughs> that was another over-progression step that I made because I'm like, ooh, I want these laser turrets. But, oh, shit, I need batteries. Oh, but, shit, I need sulfuric acid. But, oh, crap, I need oil. And I was able to get all those things, but that took the time. And then uh, and, uh, as that uh, was happening, my base was constantly getting attacked because I had a shit perimeter. <laughs> yeah. So I... That was and I, that factored into a lot of the playtime too. I think with those biters. Oh, for sure. And I that mean, lends to the argument of just turning them off and enjoying the pure experience of them. That's why I did it because right. I, because I was finding I was about fifty hours into the game and the progress I made in the last fifteen was probably four times as much as the yeah, fifteen before because of no biters. Yeah, yeah. But then I make the argument that t- turning off those biters is not the pure experience. 
you get a refined factorio experience, mm. but I don't think that refinement makes it any more pure. I'll make the argument that the developers themselves have said, we think this game is meant to be enjoyed the way you want to enjoy it. There you go. So, and for me, and, and I've, I've struggled with that decision for that reason, because I hate making changes, <laughs> especially, right. you know, it's my first playthrough and something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I like playing the vanilla version. Right. And I wanted to, but it was getting to the point where, okay, I'm hopelessly addicted. It's taking way too long to do anything. I know I'm not going to stop playing out of frustration. I'm just going to stay frustrated. <laughs> so, I have to make a quality of life decision for myself. Right. And... That's what I did. And, you know, if I have one problem with this game, well, I have two. Well, the first one is that the tutorial system is very bad. And yes. I had, but. There are not that many. YouTube does a pretty good job of solving most of the problems. That's true. However, I will, ha- I'll give a shout out to the train signals, which oh boy. for whatever reason, man. Those are really hard to get your head around. I, I don't, mean. they should, they're not that complicated either. They actually are. Now, like. They get you can make them more complicated is the thing. The right? chain when you get yeah, into cross so sections. Like, yeah, because the, so how the railway signals work is they're essentially telling you when there's a train in the block ahead, the train approaching that block will not enter. That way, you can have right. intersections of trains and there won't be a collision. And a block is defined the distance between one rail signal and another yes. rail signal. That is one block of track. So you can make. Any number of blocks, depending on however many signals you'd like to throw mm-hmm. down, you can make them any length of train segments long as well, right? Yes. And you're better off probably making quite a few signals. Yeah, if you have a long section of track, you definitely need to split that up. Yeah. Um, especially because in my base, I I will have long, I'll have those long sections of track with something on either end of them. Mm-hmm. Um but I'll run multiple trains on it, right? So I make a little bypass, but I have more than just one single bypass. Yeah. Even though I maybe I have three trains, but I have a bypass that can hold three trains. I'll put two or, depending on the length, three of those bypasses so those trains can be continuously moving. Mm-hmm. Regard, like, you know, if I have this section of train and I put a bypass in the middle of it, even if a train is in that first section before it's hitting that bypass, a train behind it won't leave its station until that first train ahead of it has hit that bypass, right? Because yeah. it's in that block. So, yeah, absolutely. They're they're very important into into maintaining train efficiency. They are, and they get, it gets complicated quickly. And as you start approaching the, uh, the – what I found was the issue is, like, I have a lot of uh, intersection, strange intersections in certain parts of my railroad because yeah. I didn't plan for this, right? right. It was the same, same issue as – Seems to always happen in this game. Right. And it wasn't planned to have, you know, 30 different trains going in this one little area. Right. But here we are. So that as I was doing that, I found I would have an issue where my trains wouldn't know how to get to the next base automatically because the trains are automatic once you have them set up properly. It would say no path. So I would try it. So I get in my train, I hop in, there's a little thing that pops up, says no path. So that means somewhere along my line, something's wrong. One of the signals isn't there. One of the signals is placed incorrectly because essentially placing your signals also tells the railway railroad which way trains travel on which the railroad, right. which direction. And they, you can travel in two directions. 
Yeah, but if you don't set it up properly and you miss and you miss one one direction and one segment of that, yep. it won't go back. It won't go anywhere. And man, at all, like it won't even move up to that section. Yeah. So it's like okay. So then you have to drive it manually and find out where you made a mistake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I was doing a lot of, or I was erasing railroad tracks with my robot. So well, how are your trains set up? Are you doing like a loop system oh. for your tracks? Like, are they cyclical? Because the way I I had that originally, but then I'm like, no, I don't like this. This is not. I didn't think it was as efficient for my setup. So I redid everything, which took a long time. I like uh, I uprooted all this track and train stops, and basically I I put an engine on either end of my wagon segments. Oh, I see. Okay. So now I have two way tracks. Goes there, goes back. Yeah, yeah. I have that on one of them. Yeah. I think most of them are cyclical. Um, because it's just how I originally made them. Yeah. So it was just kind of easier. And I had so many traveling along those tracks that I found it was easier to do it that way. Okay. Um, rather, because I didn't have a bunch of um, pull off points like you do, where you can, like, you know, have like a train stacking area in case there's like a pile up of yeah. trains coming. Yeah. I didn't have that set up so well. So I, I did have something cyclical going. I just have a lot of cr- intersections in one area where it's it very confusing. And, yeah. and to signal it all, it was very challenging. Yeah. Like, even though you wouldn't think it would be that tough, but man, uh, for some reason, yeah. it was just very complicated. It took me a long time until they were all working smoothly, and then I just kind of stepped away and prayed for the best. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that might be, the honestly, the most complicated and fun part of the game. It's weird, weirdly I really love making train systems, man. The yeah. trains are so satisfying. It's really deep. You yeah. can do a lot with the trains. Yeah, you can. And um, so the, I want to go back to the biters, though, for a second. Sure. Uh, just a point I want to make about, I think the reason they're not as an, an enjoyable part of the game is because they are so shallow in gameplay tactics, like even um, the way that you're, that, the way that you can even deal with them. Like, yeah, you can make some varied weapons and, and attack them differently, but really your best bet is running some power lines and, and throwing down some turrets and then creeping on on these nests right yeah that's called the turret creep right and Um, that's kind of how you have to do it early on yeah it really is they do outgrow your your power very quickly they do um and well even early on that's the way i'll still clear them out i just pack a bunch of laser turrets with me i run power line i make a v they shoot in their range i creep one one medium power pole length more make a v and i just do it i find the tanks so easy work pretty well yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I don't like the tank, um, just because one, it's all the way on one side of my map, and if I'm gonna clear on the other side, I'm not driving that fucking thing all the way around. I think what I'm gonna do is just start carrying like an extra tank with me. Yeah, you, I guess you can pick which it up, is which is ridiculous. really weird. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. So there's just isn't that depth of play that runs throughout the entire game. So I think that's why just dealing with them falls kind of short. You'd think it would be there to add more layers. But really, it doesn't add that much. I no, it's just a little like roadblock to make like the game a little more challenging. Yeah, and to add a dynamic to it that's just that that kind of just takes sets it apart from a building simulator, I guess. Right, I guess. But yeah. I mean, now I'm at the part where I I can make like some long range artillery cannons. Yes, and I can make uh like an artillery wagon for my trains. Um. Uh, my trains aren't set up where I can just throw on a wagon. I guess I I can in some places maybe, 
But some of the spacing at some of my train stops where I was loading product on and off, it's not conducive for me adding a fifth length on there because mm-hmm. I got two wagons and two engines on every one of my trains. Right. So I probably won't be using knowns uh, unless I do some weird like offensive maneuver where I make a train running around my base and then run an artillery wagon that just kind of loops around and fires. I don't I don't know. I don't really know how it works for one thing because I've, yeah. I've done it. Oh, I was thinking maybe you'd use it to bring, like, um, munitions to, like, a new area, and then you'd be, like, kind of reloading, like, missiles and stuff. Or does the... the... No, it's it's literally a cannon on... It's a artillery cannon oh, you put gu- on a train. it's literally a gun on Yes, train. it's literally a gun on okay. a train. And, you know, I'm assuming it just shoots at the same range that the regular artillery cannons would if you put on your base, which, are, which it's cool to have long range. Which will could allow you to clear out way more areas, but like the thing is, when the, those artillery cannons fire, they aggro whatever it hits, right? So it'll run right at your base. Mm-hmm. Which then, for me, is actually the perfect setup. I can aggro some of these nests and have them run right into my laser turret wall. Yeah. So like they're going to be very helpful for me, especially the way the biters uh, populate. They're creeping right in on my walls. Mm-hmm. Like really, they're right outside of my turret range now, right? The way they the way it happens. Yeah. But there just isn't the depth of gameplay there for, for the biters. Again, you have only so many different ways that you can engage with them and you can like give yourself your own laser thing. Like my my little dude has my own like laser pack that I walk around with, right? So I'm shooting my lasers from my armor and I got the I got a rocket launcher and a assault rifle and I can I could make uranium bullets, which do crazy damage if I wanted. But again, when I, if you're doing the turret creep, why? I, that's not necessary. I'm never firing my gun. Mm-hmm. I yeah, put out a, really a, a V of like five laser turrets handles anything that comes at, at me. Like, yeah. So I, I I get the argument for turning them off and just not bothering to deal with them because yeah, they're they're not particularly fun, right? To to go out and clear nests is. It's a duty. It's a chore, right? It is, yeah. It's, a, it's on your to-do list of chores you need to do in the game. Yeah. And sometimes it goes higher to that list, and sometimes it's at the bottom. The game of it. has a lot of to-dos. It does. It does, which is weird that, regardless, it's pretty satisfying make, finishing that list. You know, and I, that's where I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure where I'm at with playing the game anymore because of that. It's just like, I don't know if I've gotten what I need to out of it, and I, I can just say my piece with it. Well, well, I know I'm. You know, I'm or, in the exact same. Position. Or hey, you know, maybe this is like my favorite game of all time, and I'll just only play this game because then I feel like I'm missing. You know, historically, I have some issue with certain addictive games. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not Final Fantasy XI. Yeah, so you know, I tend to avoid MMORPGs for that reason, right? Because I have been addicted to them. Not for like fifteen years, but still, you know, when you are when when you miss three years of other games, once you, an addict, always an addict. Oh, uh, good good argument there, Leland. <laughs> There's no hope. It's always There's a fight. No it's always a struggle. Yeah, it is a struggle. It is a struggle not to just like stop this conversation and go turn that game on right now. <laughs> you know, we the funny thing actually was uh um, we had a get together. A factorial party. We did, and I wanted to talk about that because I will. I want to give a shout out to my my poor wife, who uh, <laughs> who only saw us as we as she fed us that night, pretty yes. much, yeah, and, and brought us coffee. Yep. She came up at one point after like eight hours and was just like, "Hey guys, 
still playing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I kind of had to wrap it up because I could tell she wanted to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. getting late. We were there. We played for a long time. That we day. did. We, hey, but to our credit, we did go out. We played some tennis. We got some physical activity. Five minutes. Of tennis. <laughs> yeah, the tennis was so short, though. And I did not have the most successful day at tennis, so I was happy to end it. Uh, I won the tennis and I won the factorio. That's right. <laughs> I did find, well, not find, I remembered a quote from a movie that I thought really defines Factorio. So I wrote it down for you guys. It's David Della Ro- David Della Rocco. That's the actor's name, but that's also his character's name in Boondock Saints, uh, the movie series. And this is from his flashback in Boondock Saints 2. Men build things, then we die. It's in our fucking DNA, and when it all falls down, we build it up again. Does that not summarize Factorio? <laughs> kind of does. Yeah. I mean, was. really, I was thinking about that, looking at the remnants of my first attempt at a base, which is still in my base, you know, and it's it's illogical. It doesn't make much sense, and I just kind of built on the, like, corpse, the bloated, rotten corpse of this spaghetti-filled monster of old uh, conveyor belts and uh, there's still remnants of it and you know i just i built anew from it and we can't help but build yeah like that's why you do 15 hours and then leland's willing to restart you know yeah i I want order it's always chaos now there but i need order it's all it's always just fix one more thing and then i'll go to bed yeah (laughs) it is it is so yeah uh you know it's 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 a tough one to really review because I, I feel like we just kind of chat about it rather than review. I know it's uh, I know because like you say, I don't feel like I've gotten everything out of it that I want or need to get out of it. Yes. Like I was so I was like, I'm going to launch a rocket today. I'm going to be finished. But no, I launched or oh, I, I assembled one one hundredth of a rocket launch, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, the amount of shit that needs to go into that is crazy. I don't know if I I'm going to do it. Do I keep doing it? Because that's so much work. Where I I and again I sprinted because I was like, okay, because the goal of the game really you're you crash on this planet, this alien planet, and your goal is to launch a rocket to get the fuck off of it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do that and then have like a moral victory, even though I have an experience, and then maybe I'll start a new base, knowing some you know I now have some knowledge and I can pre-plan quite a bit better but i tried i'm like oh guys gather around i'm gonna launch a rocket click one percent of rocket launch fill I'm like oh fuck <laughs> fuck <laughs> fuck yeah. fuck yeah i mean you can only bring the game to work so many times well <laughs> see that's the thing now of course as is typical of my uh, employment we're just batshit crazy so i can no longer bring my laptop to work and play eight extra hours <laughs> a day of factorio unfortunately i know it was driving me nuts you're ripping ahead of me i uh, yeah I, I put in a lot of overtime yeah <laughs> Leon. you know it was something it was actually screwing up my life a little bit like i wasn't going to bed on time and like i, yeah, wasn't, I wasn't getting enough sleep yeah. and then i wasn't going to prison training properly i wasn't recovering from the gym and like at what point do you just say, like, this isn't good for me? Yeah. And, I mean, that's a tough thing to say. It's a, it's a game, and I don't want to say that. I want to be like, I have self-control. I can do whatever. But, yeah. Well, yeah, I know, right? But, see, the problem I have with that is you can say, okay, I'm just going to play this on 
the weekends. And because really it's... Okay, let me continue. If you say, I'm just going to play this on the weekend. But then when I get to playing it on the weekend, it's like taking up a whole day of that weekend because this game is conducive to playing for a long extended periods of time, which yes. is why it's not very good to be playing on a weeknight when you need to get up at six in the morning or whatever for work the next day. So like you're, you're playing, I don't, yeah. So like even to say, okay, just on the weekends, but like I end up playing five or six plus hours maybe on a Saturday if I have nothing else to do. At least. Yeah. yeah right. Like, uh, it's I so... think I had a good 12 or one day. Yeah. And like, like that's, oh, man. that's hard. Man. It's insane. And like, it's not good. It's not just, it's not healthy in so many ways. And yeah. like, you know, if I was 16 or 17 or, you know, even like 21, maybe, you know, you'd get away with that a little bit easier. Yeah. But it's harder now. And, uh, you know, I, what I find with me is it, it sticks with me. Like I'll, I'll be, for me, it was driving to work, and I couldn't stop thinking about what I wanted to do in my damn base, and, like, that's all I could think about was, like, Factorio. For a good, like, three weeks there, I was, like, I couldn't think about a damn other thing. When I was going to bed at night, I was seeing conveyor belts, I would dream about them, and I'd wake up right where I left off. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's a bad thing. <laughs> that's crazy. So, when giving this game a rating, I will still give it a 10 out of 10. Knowing the fact that it is probably the least healthy thing I could be doing to me. <laughs> okay, that's a good summation. Honestly? Yeah. No, I, I'm fully on board with that. Yeah. My one main gripe of this, which is half a gripe really, is the learning curve is very steep. As you mentioned, Marty, the, there are not very many tutorials this game offers you. And, I mean, yeah, the tutorials are not very comprehensive either. They give you the like a base scenario, and I think that's a result of the so many different types of scenarios you can find yourself in than the way you're able to build. That's just that's just part. That's just what happens because the game offers you so much depth of gameplay. The tutorials can't possibly be as depthy because there would be a hundred of them. Yes. So that's like again, that's kind of half a great, but because that learning curve is the game though. Like, really learning how to be as efficient as possible is the game. So how do I fault the game for having a high learning curve? True. I think that's part of the reward aspect of the game is actually figuring it out yourself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. However however that is, that works for you. Exactly. Right. Something that works for me could be completely different from something that works for you, Mark, or Moby, or you, listener. So I am also going to give this a 10 out of 10. Like, uh, I don't... There's nothing that I would rant about. There's no part of this game that I would rant about. Hmm. Like, you know. No. In a straight up just completely negative or something I hate about. There's nothing about this game that I just hate. I'm just beyond impressed with how good it is. I Yeah, it's insane. It's uh, it's so good. To to my own detriment, I am impressed. Right, right. I will sit in front of this computer and wither away from not eating (laughs) for a day and a half because it's so fucking good. So that's how you've been cutting weight. That's right. If, it. If, it, if this sounds like your top of cup of tea, listener, if you even think you'll get a remote bit of pleasure out of this, just try it. Go for it. Hey, you got a question? Reach out. It's, send us a message. Ask us. We'll, we'll get back to you. I'll chat about it all day. Uh, send us an email. It's so. It's really like autoerotic asphyxiation. Like it's so <laughs> dangerous, but so good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Terms I would never expect to be brought up. In the podcast, autoerotic asphyxiation. I don't know. Well, 
I can't give it the same appreciation you guys do, even though I do appreciate it. Um, it's just not as much my cup of tea. If that if this entire segment didn't make that obvious, um, I will give it an eight out of ten. Though I think it's intensely creative. Uh, I would agree that if it appeals at all the listener, go for it. I think it's worth the money. I think it's about twenty five bucks right now, and I think it's still worth that money. Yeah, I agree. Um, and don't take my eight out of ten being bad. Just take it as me giving my honest opinion as best as I can. Right. Um, well, I mean, as anybody would do listening to us, take an average of the three of our scores, which would be like nine point five. Right. Right. <laughs> so. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not... You can't look at the user reviews on Steam. Yeah. 2% of people still don't like it. Yeah. So, yeah, there are going to be those of you out there that this is not for. And, well, I'm sorry because this game's great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, well, who is introducing this next? You know what, Leland? I introduced the episode. Marty had his segment. Why don't you take this? Okay. Well, I mean, this is basically our intro retrospective. One year already? I know. It actually is crazy that it's been a year already. It is. It is. And just that we managed to make time for this, I think, is pretty cool. Like, I don't... It never crossed my mind that we might only stop this after, like, six months or so. But I am pretty surprised how consistent we've been with the every second week plus bonus. Yeah, um, we've always made time. We've always made time. And there's times, and we've alluded to this listener, where we honestly haven't felt 100% up to it, but we've still grinded through it. Totally. <laughs> and there may have been a few episodes that, if you review and go through the back catalog, are, are kind of obvious. Yeah. Um, I hope it's not that no. apparent, but I do think that every episode, uh, we always have at least one really good conversation. I mean... Uh, yes. Oh, So, basically, summation of our year, we've had... This will be 28, if this, if this counts in the year, I guess, right? Yeah. 28 sure. episodes and seven bonus episodes. Yeah, we release every second Monday. We've stuck to that, you know, always stuck to that. Very disciplined. Um, bonus episodes release every off Monday or uh, an off Monday. That's when they would release, right? We definitely slowed down on the bonus episodes. Mm. Yes. Because um, I think... We were doing quite a few of them very early. Yes. We did, yeah. Which was maybe a little draining. I think maybe that where we, we almost got close to burnout, maybe. We did yeah. a lot of bonus ones for movies we were seeing at first there. Yeah. I think in the fall, we did like three in a row really fast. We did, yeah. We did It and Blade Runner and Thor. Yeah. just but I And then we started incorporating them into the episodes the proper, right? Yeah, once we were running out of ideas. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Once our... Our Imaginarium was starting to run a little dry. Yeah, which is pretty pretty full again, actually. Yeah, there's still quite a mm. lot there. Yeah. There's a lot of older stuff there that I don't know if we'll ever get to, but it's there. Well, the, the movie musings and video game variety show, I think, are much easier to bring up topics. Yes. A lot of the crazy about cardboard stuff that we I like to cover really comes with having a bit more experience. So that would then put the onus on us playing more games, experience more different types of games so you guys could input about them. That kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like, I think there's a little bit more legwork to the Crazy About Cardboard. But honestly, though, like when we started, we switched to just doing two longer running segments. I think only one of those episodes did not have a Crazy About Cardboard segment. 
Since yeah, we yeah, I, I, I try to make it so like every at least every second one has a say the seg- like a segment never misses two in a row. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Well, and I do think that was one of our major decisions that was beneficial was us to stow our egos a little bit um, in not forcing three segments plus banter because things were starting to get out of control. And the fact that the episodes were going so long, which they still do go long, but this episode, especially in case in point. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think in particular, our anything anytime we do a retrospective of anything, it goes long. Yeah, like our, our uh, like year end one went really long. Yeah, our tw- uh, best of twenty seventeen, like two and a half hours. Who would want to listen to us for two and a half hours? I don't other know. Than other, us. Than us. other than us, you, reg- yeah. you do it regularly. If you did, thanks, listener. Yes, yes, we appreciate it. Um, but I think the banter segment has really grown in its importance, at least to us, and in its size as well. You know, we joke about the Marty monologue, but banter ended up, you know, started being like a, a five to ten minute segment that ended up being you know, closer to twenty five. Yeah, know? totally. Yeah, exactly. I think at first we were intending it literally to be like a just a bit of like an a open, mention. you know. Yeah. So the question is, you know, do we forcibly limit banter, or do we just have the flexibility to remove one segment? And I think that was the right decision. Yeah, I think made. the latter was definitely the the good call. So yeah, I, I, I agree. agree. You know, that was good. Um. Uh, you know, we, we've we all, go, to varying degrees, Leland a lot. He listened to most of the back catalog did, or a huge yeah. chunk. Yeah. Um, I listened to a bit. I was very surprised. I mean, I don't consider episode one or zero um, terrible, but there definitely was a quick upturn in our professionalism, if you can call it that. That almost seems wrong, but just we were better and more confident I'd say by episode two. I agree. I mean, I found myself like, so before doing the podcast, this is something I've enjoyed about doing is that I really hated hearing my own voice and doing the podcast. Me too, actually. I've actually kind of enjoyed. <laughs> uh, no, I love hearing my voice. <laughs> I love it. Every two weeks. Moby. But, you know, I showed it to my wife and she was like, you know, you guys do a really great job. And obviously she has to say that. But she's she didn't have to say it as many times as she did. So, <laughs> at some point, she must be telling the truth. But no, you know, I, I, I've heard from a few people, a few listener, that they enjoy it and that we do a good job. And, uh, you know, it's nice to hear that. And uh, for myself, it, it's nice. I, I think it's kind of given me a bit more confidence with the kind of just sitting here and just spouting off. So, I, I have enjoyed it on a personal level for that reason. Yeah. Well, I think we bring our own personalities to the table. And I think we each have our own varying degrees of kind of good parts that listener likes, but we're also annoying in our own ways. (laughs) And so, you know, it's funny because I think that listener may identify with different, you know, personalities of ours in different segments a little bit more, but it's, it's good to have that variety. It's good that we're not all three people the exact same with the exact same opinions all the time. That'd be no fun. Right, and and that's I mean that's what we that was our agenda exactly. to begin with, right? Exactly. And, that, and that was a huge part of the reason why we're incorporating three different segments, right? Right. Something hopefully something for everybody. Right. If you don't like something? Go ahead and feel skip it. If you don't sure. want to listen to Crazy Boat Cardboard, skip it. Yeah, then exactly. You can always get the timestamps; they're always there in the show notes. I mean, if you don't like a particular segment or even topic, go oh, hey, for sure. skip it. 
next, you know, 30 years when I listen back to the show, I'm skipping the God of War segment every time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there like, you go. I just It has no value to me. I just hope that there is something that you do find valuable, right? Lucy? Yes. And I'm, I don't know. Maybe I, I think limiting to weirdly, ironically, that limiting cutting down to just two segments kind of is paradoxical to that ideology that we try to go out right a little bit yeah yeah no i exactly yeah exactly which is unfortunate but i think if you're a long-standing listener i think you you're coming back because you enjoy us right not necessarily just what we're talking about um i mean that's why i repeat i continue to listen to as many podcasts as i do because i enjoy the hosts i don't always like the topic or care about the topic that may, may be speaking about but you come back for the host right yeah no, totally. I mean, that's that's why you should be listening to a podcast. Right. And, and some of the best podcasts are the ones that cover a wide range of topics. Yeah, I think I think the the a podcast theme is what draws you into first listen. Yes, and then you stay for the people that are there. Mm-hmm. Is the, at least the way I look at it. Anyway, yeah, you come for the crazy about cardboard, and you stay for the Marty. <laughs> All right. And what about my movies? Okay, uh, we've been, talk- we've been uh, trying to cut that out for a while. I've, I've noticed, Mr. Content Director. So, over the last week, I've been listening to a back catalog, and I've, as I've been doing, I've been taking a lot of notes. And I've actually been taking timestamps, so I'm not a promising listener. <laughs> and you may have actually heard some, but if I am up to it, when I'm editing this, I may splice in some of those segments from oh. past episodes. Oh. I don't know. I'll take it day by day here. If I feel up to it on the day I'm editing... I'll go ahead and try to do that. And, you know, not that we're leaving any logical gaps where I may put them in. So it may feel very disjointed. (laughs) As we are wont to do. As we are wont to do. But a few things listening. um, I just, it's funny listening back and like, one thing that really stuck out is like our sign-offs. It took us until, geez, episode four or five to even nail in like our sign-offs. At the very end of the episode. Yeah, that was kind of like, funny. Moby's, Moby's Tally Ho. Moby, tally you used ho. to be Tally Ho. I hate For like that. four solid episodes, you're like, Tally Ho. I know. <laughs> I made a note, RIP to Tally Ho. <laughs> yes. Me and Longstay did. I, <laughs> I put fucking silver nails in that coffee. Oh, really? Because you saying bye, listener, is very similar to my thanks, listener. And also very similar to Marty's bye-bye. I thought it's take care, listener. <laughs> oh, me, yeah, that's, that's what I try to do. That's take right. care, listener. <laughs> you're right. You're right. And uh, even just the segment names themselves. Yeah, they're supposed to be working titles. <laughs> they were all working titles <laughs> that we just stuck with. Like, literally, uh, for the first three episodes, we're like, yeah, we still haven't thought about better, uh, a better title. Well, it shows our level of preparation for the first three Obviously. episodes. Because <laughs> I think that's something we've improved a lot in is our prep. I mean, you know, Marty comes with basically the Old Testament of the Bible, right. you know, this huge wad of papers. Except the time I didn't bring any, which yeah. didn't work out well for me. Didn't work out well. <laughs> and uh, I think all of us have notes. I mean, Leland, you you write notes, right? Um, I do some prep. You yes. do some. <laughs> I probably. This is do, almost like Goldilocks in the. Three I do bears. the very least by far of the three. Exactly. But I think that's fair. You do a lot of the other work, obviously. In fact, I say you do yeah. 95% of it. So. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. just the editing the podcast. No, that's yeah. true. The bulk of the work. And I think a lot of your input during the segments is often reactionary. 
Yeah, which I find is my strong suit, I think, and that I that's what I like to deliver the most, I think. Yeah, I see I see that as well. I see that I'm quite often like the setup guy and then we just kind of go from there. Yeah, right, right. But I mean there there are negatives to that too, right? Because off, I mean so many times listening back to an episode I'm like, man, I really wish I brought up this point. Mm-hmm. And I really wish that I had had it jotted down to bring up. So I'm starting to do that a lot more. And certain topics demand more prep than others. Yeah. Right? I work well myself with bullet points quite often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm looking at this monster thing. I have a paragraph that clearly indicates that I don't always just use bullet points. But, <laughs> right. you know, I, I do find that for myself. Like, at least that way I won't forget something. I'm like, that's really important. I must bring that up. Right. Do you guys, uh, listening back, there's one. Do you guys remember doing the dice challenge? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, uh, I thought we did that pretty good. That's good, probably yeah. why I'll slice right in. I'll put it. Yeah, right but here. Uh, a good uh, Twitter buddy of mine, uh, Christian Kang, over at uh, Take Your Chits YouTube channel. He makes great videos too. They're just always entertaining, and he just discusses a bunch of you know. Kind of random topics like we do, I guess, but within the hobby, always relating to uh, the board game hobby. But he made this uh, dice challenge video, and he called me out to uh, take the challenge of of my own. So dice, this thing, it's D-I-Z-E-D dot com. You can you can visit their website. Uh, It's um it's going to be it's like this app that teaches you to play board games as you play them. So it looks pretty cool. I mean, so you pull it up and you punch in the game that you're playing. If you know, and uh, whatever database of the games they have, and and it gives you the it gives you the rules that you need to be able to play it without overwhelming like new players, right? Um, they're actually also launching their own Indiegogo campaign at the end of August, August 28th, I think. So go to the website and check them out. Again, it'll be in the show notes. But uh, we're not video people. Yeah, uh, we're best left off camera. Absolutely. So I thought for the challenge. Um, we would uh, explain the rules for the resistance. And now the challenge is uh, you got to take 30 seconds to explain one of your, fa- your favorite games. And that, you know, so we're going we're gonna to explain the rules of resistance. I wrote up a little 30-second blurb. And we're each going to uh, say a word. We're just going to go around the table, each saying one word at a time. And hopefully it doesn't sound stupid and hopefully we can get it within 30 seconds it'll sound stupid but we can shoot for 30 seconds <laughs> okay here this we is go. our first shot at this oh yeah we haven't uh, i haven't practiced at all yet so we're just gonna do it all right i shall start okay. all players are secretly divided into two teams spies and resistance each round a new team leader chooses a number of players to go on a mission all players then simultaneously vote to approve the team composition spies must remain hidden amongst the players while sabotaging these missions resistance players must try to figure out who the spies are while trying to successfully pass the missions first team to achieve their objective in three of five missions wins yeah oh, we did it Okay. Okay. But I hope you enjoyed that listen. Yes. <laughs> okay, but the thing about the dice challenge, can I can I take the cat out of the bag on that one or or no? What 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 thing about it? Am I am I thinking of the wrong segment, but we said that we never practiced it when in effect we totally practiced it. Yeah, I think that was pretty clear in the episode. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was kind of like we never practiced this. Ha ha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. Yeah, when I re-listen to it, I'm super gullible. 
So <laughs> well, exactly. Maybe, maybe we fool a listener. Who knows? Well, that I was kept, back. I kept in, screwing that one up too. That was back in a bloody good time. That yes. was the episode title, and actually, that was the origin of my thanks, listener sign off. That yeah, was the episode that it started. Yeah. Well, you know, famous. I kept screwing up the commercials that that. Time. Yes. Yeah, because someone they some people paid for commercials somehow. Shittles. Yeah. For, for one episode, and I just had a really hard time nailing those commercials. I loved the fact that we just ran with those commercials once and like kept it in because <laughs> yeah, Leland where he messes up and he's like, up. just fucking no, just go with it. Fine. You know what? Though listening back to that, actually, I didn't like that. Like, oh really? I actually didn't find that as entertaining as I think we thought it was. Ah, but I, don't I know. still liked it. Oh, um, um, I don't know. We just have lots of like now like podcast in jokes, yeah. like Jumanji references, like every <laughs> second episode. That started back in episode five, so that's been running for well over twenty episodes. Wow. Oh yeah, the fucking it laugh, oh, Lincoln. You know what? I love to up. think that somebody missed the bonus it. So yeah. they have no idea what the hell <laughs> you're just laughing. Well, it just started out as me trying to scare my dog <laughs> after seeing the movie. Noble intentions, Marty. Noble it intentions. never worked, and then it just kind of became a podcast thing. <laughs> you yeah. know what? I'm looking at some of my notes here, and like episode five was like a treasure trove of a lot of funny stuff. One really funny segment that I f- totally forgot about is. You guys telling me about the honeybee dancers from FF6? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that was a good segment oh, I'll from, probably put in from, right from, here. From 7, yeah. Yeah. Oh, honeybee was, segment, was it 7? Yeah. Oh, 7. Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. That was... I just killed myself with that. Uh, I want to see the little honeybee dancers. That's all I care for. I'll hand over my 300 for that. <laughs> Yeah, do you, you probably you don't know that part. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> in, in Final Fantasy VII, there's a part where you have to find all this stuff to cross-dress and sneak into this, like, headquarters oh, and okay. pretend you're essentially a prostitute. Oh. And then you save your, like, girlfriend or friend or whatever who's yeah, yeah. basically being half-raped, half-molested by this, like, Ooh, Jesus. owner of this thing. And as you're doing it to get all this stuff, you have to break into, like, this... Uh, Men's bathhouse, essentially. <laughs> the honeybee club. Yeah, the honeybee club. <laughs> and there are little girls dancing around yeah, the honeybee. They just look like this. Gyratings, nice music. Yeah. Oh, one thing I wanted to bring up with you, Moby, is in response to our very first write-in ever, you started to do a motion picture must-see. Oh yeah, that you did one time. I did one. I've completely forgot that <laughs> yeah, I committed you to never, this. We never even mentioned. I'll it. make a. I'll make a joke that like, or no, I'll make a note that once. That was a also year, in episode five. Okay, once motion, a year. Motion <laughs> picture must see. Hey, speaking of that, I'll bring those back. Uh, how's the uh, trilogy uh, series oh, going? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep writing in the content that you know the Imaginarium that we got to do those, but you know what it is? It's a lot of work. If we were gonna yeah. go back, <laughs> we all have to, we'd have to watch three, three movies, movies, one, and yeah. then write notes about them. Egghead one, two, and three. Ugh. First one's the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You just. There was that one episode that we you just kept saying shovelware over and over and over again, talking about the sixth and seventh generation of console. Yeah, oh, it was yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Wii. Uh, the Wii, yeah. Wii, yeah. yeah. I like the one with uh, progressive podcasting where we did the review uh, called Deep Daddy. 
Oh yeah, that was good. I like that. Episode and we too. talked about man crushes. Yeah, in the segment called Man Crush. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good one. That was one of my. Favorite uh, was that episode ones. eleven? Was that uh, in uh, Inception of Bethesda Larry too? Actually, might not have been the same episode. I think it might have been different. But yeah. oh man, I love Bethesda Larry. Too. Yeah. I've I've enjoyed going toe to toe with you, Leland. Um, I know it gets heated and Marty cowers and cries, but that's why we don't have cameras. <laughs> well, don't trigger me. He's very scared. But uh, I have enjoyed our spars. Yeah. Um, I still rabidly disagree with you on everything you've disagreed <laughs> with me on, but I'm sure the feelings mutual. That'll never change. No. That'll so. Never change. Um, I think we've almost been too nice to each other recently. You know, we've it's got been a while since there, like we've you? had a really major disagreement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But don't worry, listener the the angst and the hatred will return soon. Yeah, you know, actually, one thing I found funny. Um, I didn't write down what episode it was, but one episode we I forget what we were talking about. We mentioned that. We don't talk. We don't do TV stuff here. We're like, oh boy, if we made a TV segment, that would be opening Pandora's box. And literally, last episode, we have television teasings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's open. The it's box open. is open. We also did a year in review on TV. Yeah, we did add in that. Yeah, yeah that where we talked about uh, Punisher. Yeah, TV teasings. Yeah. Well, spe- speaking of TV teasings, though, um, I have a note here, and I, I put this on our Facebook page, but I sincerely believe. Our Cobra Kai segment was our best done single segment of the year. Really? Yeah, I really do. And if you guys, you're welcome to disagree with me, but I want to know what your favorite segment was, if not Cobra Kai. Does one stick out to you that you really enjoy discussing? Yes, for me, hands down, it was our our, our Geek is Good episode. Oh, okay. That whole yeah. big thing. We just talked about geek culture. We covered so many different topics. We did really good. Oh, yeah, I like that I, whole conversation. I really love that yeah. segment. Like, it was really funny. I was killing myself laughing back to it, too. Like, I thought that was a great segment. Do you guys see any benefit of making, like, a YouTube channel and putting up clips? I was... Oh, I've been meaning to just put up our whole episodes on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it. Yeah. I, I think putting our whole episodes on there would be a great experiment. Yeah. See if they get any traction. Yeah, I've been meaning um, to do that and to look into it. Because, like, I don't just don't want to put it up. I want to do some, like, graphics or something, too. I don't know. Maybe we could put up just, like, the episode art, probably. Speaking yeah, of art, um, I want to give a shout-out to Moby on the art. Because some of the, like, the art has ranged. Yeah, I will agree with that. But I would say it ranges, uh, I wrote this down, it ranges from indecipherable. To genuinely creative and really awesome. Like, some of them are really good. I really like the uh, the Return to uh, or, um, the Jedi one. Um, what was the movie? Oh, yeah, oh, Last Jedi. Last, Last Jedi. Jedi with our faces yeah. over all of them. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite is going to be Leland's favorite, which is the Forever King. Oh, um, I love that. Yeah, that was... That was so good. The path from uh, episode... What's the number? I don't know. But the title is Panther Stone. Panther Stone. Where we review Black Panther and our second chat about Charter Stone, I think. Yes. Yeah. I'll say this to listener because there is actually a note I wanted to add about the um, the art. So, yes, I agree my art is inconsistent and what ends up happening is there's some times where we just start the episode and like 10 minutes in, I already have the crystal clearest vision of what I want to make already or certainly by the time the episode's done. And that's maybe 60-70% of the time. The other 20% of the time, I have a vague idea, like a theme I want to work with, one of the things that we discuss. 
then 10% of the time, I don't know what the hell I want to do. And those are the ones where I get in trouble. Um, In the near future, though, the issue is my computer is currently under repair. It's been under repair for three and a half weeks. I need to get it back, but I also need it fixed because it's having major overheating issues. Why bring this up is I'm going to do the best I can with the artwork. But this episode and episode 29 may have simpler or more inconsistent art. I hope it's just this one. And and I have an idea for this one, but it's basically just text-based overall. But it sucks. And it's kind of showing me how important having those Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator uh, available is. Still got MS Paint. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to have to use, unfortunately. Leland brought up a good point that I think one of the biggest criticisms that can be said of my art is definitely inconsistent file sizes I've sent to him. And it's meant poor oh. cropping. And so I have yeah, to improve well. that. I have to, to find something that fits better. Yeah, yeah. There, there are some other pieces of art um, I'm pretty proud of. Some of them are pretty simple. I like my dragon that was wearing the 3D glasses. I think <laughs> yeah. that, that From, represented uh, Yeah, well. that's episode nine, everybody. And these a little D. D and D. I liked for the Blade Runner hilarious. 2049. Whoever thought of that is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I liked for my uh, Blade Runner special, um, I used some merging of Joy's face and the blonde hooker who is in the show because there's a scene where they kind of... She has a name, Moby. Yeah, I forget what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's it's a lot of fun and I enjoy kind of... Um, developing that side of things, uh, learning how to do the flames for the Ash versus Evil Dead special was great because I was the only person to listen to that special. So seventeen times, <laughs> seventeen times. Wow! <laughs> how do we know to not do a bonus for the final season of Ash versus? I've Evil Dead? seen notice that the bonus anything hasn't been getting very much traction. I think, yeah, that's that's totally, that's right. I, you know what? And I was going to ask you guys, what the hell do you think happened with Fiasco? Like, here's my, because so few people listened to part two for the Fiasco bonus. Actually, it wasn't too different. It was wasn't six less. Only six. I think. It was like 30 and then 20. I mean, uh, five million and then like. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and these are just like SoundCloud numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be millions on Spotify. Well, see, what I'm wondering is, did, Spotify, right? <laughs> were there six people or however many people that we just totally turned off and they just yeah, were like, maybe fuck was, you during the first Maybe episode. it was garbage because that was in our, like the quality of those episodes was not very good either. Um, there's some, some, we get really quiet in some of those parts. Um, yeah. I would love to do another actually fiasco bonus. And I'm down. Quality and just like do another one. Um, cause we would don't, we don't need to do like the setup. We don't need to do the setup. We could do that off mic and just have it be one episode of the play or yeah. split that into two episodes. I'd be parts totally down. Just like a quick explanation. Yeah. Yeah. Characters. A quick overview. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. I mean that we broke that into three different yeah. parts. Right. And yeah, yeah it's, I don't know. Maybe it was just not interesting. Maybe we were, I don't know. We didn't appeal to a few people to finish it. Obviously. I don't know. Have you guys considered any aspect of YouTube that would incorporate video? Have we thought about that at all? I haven't really. Uh, well, maybe actually I kind of have been throwing around some things. I don't know what we would do, though. 
Well, what can no. all three of us do? Or would we do kind of maybe highlight some of our individual segments and do something like that? Well, we'd be doing something like the, like just recording the podcast. But for something like Fiasco, that would add a layer of depth to it for sure. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, we could do that in, yeah, in addition to just throwing out the regular audio episodes. Mm-hmm. That's a good, actually, a really good idea. But then I think to make that viable, we would need to do stuff like that more often, obviously. Yes, yeah. Something to think about anyways, moving into the future. Well, and now I have another question. Um, Something that actually came up on uh, Across the Board Podcast that I was on their episode. Um, What do you guys feel about, like, some type of crowdfunding, like Patreon, setting up a Patreon page or something like that? I, I'd be interested in doing it because honestly, I can say to listener, um, I'd have to break down what it costs month by month, yeah. but it's pretty expensive. I mean, I think the website's 16 bucks a month. Is that correct? The hosting? The hosting. Yeah. Uh, our RSS, yeah, 16 a month. Um, yeah, I mean, it would certainly be nice to have those costs covered. Yeah. And um, I'd like to look into upgrading some equipment. Possibly. Right. Um, I'd love to get a video of our equipment right now. It's, it's pretty funny. It is funny. Yeah. It's pretty good. I mean, it's working for us. Yeah. And not that I don't like the quality that we're putting on. I'm happy with our quality. Yeah. But I think there are some things that I'd like to to add. Um, I mean, currently, the three of us, we're not recording with, like, headphones or anything. Like, we're not. As we record, we are not hearing the quality of the recording. No. Which I don't like. So I think we can have a better setup for that kind of thing. Um, and, and that would also allow us to um, actually have some guests and stuff. It would be cool to be able to get some guests. That hosts. has been on my mind. Yeah, I would that love to be on able my to mind. for sure, for sure. It's um, just, it's difficult with our setup. And again, it's something that we have never done. I'd have to, we'd have to learn how to do it too, right? Yeah, I think if we did a Patreon launch, I think we definitely want to combine that with YouTube. Oh, um, yeah, YouTubing yeah. YouTubing our episodes and have the Patreon link there. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Maybe we don't need to be having this conversation on mic. We could, pro- we could probably move this finer details off because I've had some ideas. But, yeah, I, I like the idea of, of maybe setting that up. Again, I don't know at what point. I mean, those are all just weird nitty-gritty details. But, um, yeah, some hosting cost coverage would be nice. Yeah, I mean, how can we get these fucking morons to give us their money? <laughs> <laughs> Stop yeah. saying what we're thinking. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, I don't <laughs> know. What... Happy one year, listener. Yeah. Well, what did you guys? What else did you guys? Did you have any any future like oh wishes for the for the podcast? Well, I think I'm perfect, so I don't think I need to personally change anything. <laughs> Um, I really want to do the bonus episode where we teach Marty magic. I just, I just think I it's... think that would be a better video thing, actually. Okay. That yeah, I can see video. the value of video as an option doing it that way. I just, I think that's such a cool idea. And you're right. I think video would, would make that five times better for yeah. listeners seeing what's going on. I'm going to have to get in way better shape for video. Ugh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Yo, well, okay. Then that also lends even more credence to starting some type of crowdfunding thing too, right? To allow us to do that stuff way more easily. Yeah. Because that's a whole other set of equipment yeah, too. to pay for my creatine. Yeah, to pay for your creatine. <laughs> <laughs> you want Marty to look good, you got to pay for his supplements. <laughs> no, I mean, guys, I, I know it's it seemed like a short segment, especially compared to Fiasco. I don't have much more to say. 
I will say that, um, you know, Marty had written in the show notes, do we just do a giant circle jerk? Um, and I would like to say that I do think we've become uh, better and more professional as the years or as the year has gone on. Actually, Leland wrote that. Oh, um, he did? <laughs> yeah, I think so. He was nice enough to fill in a. Uh... Did I? Not me, good <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was nice enough to content direct while I was on vacation, so he he wrote this episode up. So if it oh sucks, yeah, that's true. If I it did. sucks, that's on Leland. Yeah, that's his fault. If it's great, I did it. Well, I, we we. we, we I've posed some questions that I'm not sure that we really answered. Ask away. We did some of our favorite topics. Um, I guess we covered. I mean, we think we've improved. Our, our skills improved. Like you, Marty mentioned that you you become more comfortable with. Oh yeah, sounding your own voice. I don't even need to wear the sunglasses anymore. Yeah, right. I, I don't. Do. I don't need my safety hoodie. It's too hot for it right now. I'd be fucking dying. Oh man, I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm sweating bad right yeah, now, warm, and I'm naked. Warm. Yeah, my, I don't. Well, I just have sunglasses on. <laughs> <laughs> Yet they somehow cover everything. Um, I certainly think my editing skills improved. So yes. I'm happy with the way how those are going, uh, and it's definitely taking me less time to do it too, which is great. Yeah, that's really good. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. we still haven't quite mastered the segue, but that's kind of our shtick. Yeah. We. Our- I think the stupid things that we do, we are now almost like purposely doing them because that's how this is us now oh yeah totally <laughs> right, like, okay the banter segment <laughs> it's time for the banter i segment. know that makes listener unhappy <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to keep the banter segment until the end of time what's he gonna do arrest <laughs> us maybe <laughs> um yeah no i i yeah i think that uh Certainly from my end, there's a lot of awkwardness and humor that's put into the podcast. And I think that that's certainly part of my shtick. And I think Mo- uh, Marty's too. So. No. <laughs> no, I never say anything awkward. No, I say I don't say anything awkward. You say everything awkward. Yeah, yeah. I know. And I admit it. Marty, the first step is admitting it. Is that you do it. I, I admit no more a, denial. a factorial addiction. But other than that, I am hilarious. Okay, I'm not gonna squeeze anything out of it. Yeah, no, that was good. It yeah. was good. Kind of went over our hopes and aspirations. There is actually one very funny part from an episode that I jotted down that I'm gonna put in right at the end of this, just for you guys. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but it's gonna go right at the very tail end of the episode. Oh, I've got one one of my favorite parts, and that was uh, oh, I just dropped my. Oh no! Again. Now you now know I how. don't know what to say. No, it's uh, the, the segment where you discover that Leland loves Pretty Little Liars. Oh, yeah. Not loved. Watched. Whatever. There's a difference. Seven seasons? Yeah, but that's my, you know, that's my tendency. <laughs> there's, there's one line that's my favorite line of the enti- of everything, and I said it, but it's still probably my favorite thing, and that was uh, uh, t- talking about Leland making a dating profile, and in, in the comments <laughs> oh, dating yeah. profile, I, it was his, his quote was, uh, are you a pretty little liar? Because I'll watch you. <laughs> and that gets me every time I hear uh, that. that was oh, good. that's good. That was a good line. You certainly have the one-liners there, Marty. Yes, you do. Yeah. Well, yeah. the funny part is you're like a scorpion, Marty. You kind of sit back. Leland and I go at each other. And then you suddenly out of nowhere sting with a one-liner. <laughs> Marty the scorpion. Oh, man. It's, well, I, this last year has been really fun. I'm looking forward to continuing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another absolutely. year. I'm looking for our second year anniversary. Um, maybe we'll we'll do a contest one of these days. Maybe. Yeah, we talked about doing that. Yeah, well, we haven't set it up. So hey, well, 
if if we want, listener can win my sweaty t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. unwashed. Yeah. Well, How about, I, I wore it on the one-year anniversary. Hey. How about a listener uh, wins a no-expense-paid trip to come out here and buy us all food? Ah, <laughs> that sounds really good. Go. That's good, too. Like, you can always crash on my couch. Yeah. And he'll watch you. $50 a night. <laughs> or maybe they can win a contest <laughs> where, they, where they come out <laughs> and they fix Moby's computer. There oh, we go. That's a good one. Yes. There we go. Yeah. These are all good Patreon levels. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> These are all great backup. You have levels. minus five Patreoners. We got. We, we actually, you owe your audience money now. <laughs> we got some great stuff behind those paywalls. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're we getting a microtransaction. Laptop porn. That's all Patreon is—is is microtransactions. That's right. Yeah. Oh my well, god! But what we just berated microtransactions. Oh no, we're hypocrites. Oh. One of the two things I hate the most. That's okay. We'll be rich hypocrites. We also fi- find some nerd to bully too, and then I'll just be everything I hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. That'll be our fourth uh, podcast member. We'll bring a fourth person in for one episode. Just so we bully them. Bully them. <laughs> oh. Which will help us because we won't bully Moby for that episode. Can I submit You're a right. detailed list of names? Because <laughs> You got people. a lot of pent-up frustration there, don't I you? I do. Remember? I do. <laughs> All right, well, if you want to check out the show notes to this mess of an episode or find some of our written content, which we didn't actually talk about at all in this intro. there's not a lot in retrospective. There's actually quite a bit up there. I don't know. I wrote a Factorio thing that I didn't write any more about. Yeah, are you going to continue that? That means I have to play Factorio. Well, I mean, you just... You don't necessarily have to. You can make it a three-parter. So you got one part. You got one of three parts. Okay, I can do that. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Basically, the last part will be your feelings about your progress, right? Yeah, like how my addiction is going. Sure. Sure. How the withdrawals are going. Yeah, bad. (laughs) Well, our website is ggpopcast.com. You know, something occurred to me today that I'm really making it difficult to wrap this episode up. But should we have made our website.ca because we're Canadian? Um, To me, it doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. I, I was just wondering about that. I don't know. It was just a random thought that occurred to me. You mean period C-O-M. Period C-O-M, C-O-M yeah. com. that's what it is. Um, I think we should have gone with dot R-U. What's that for? Russia. Russia. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe we would have got way more listeners. Yeah, I, like we could have been big in a, just a random country. Yeah, we could have Kyrgyzstan. Been. Yeah, like, I mean, it's like how... We still uh, can be. Like how, uh, what, David Hasselhoff's big in, like, Germany? We just need to mail... Some cassette tapes to some of these regions that aren't as advanced. We'll just write podcast on the cassette tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to send these to? The moon? We did talk about sending our shit into space and that that would cause an alien invasion. Oh, that's bad. I don't know. I think we've progressed enough that they would come with aliens would come wanting more. Like we've gotten to that level. Yeah. Right? We're how, interstellar appeal. How dare they insult us, the intergalactic listeners? <laughs> yeah, they they've declared war they don't know for what, a full year. They don't know what sarcasm is. <laughs> intergalactic listener. That's we, we are a hive. We are many. We are legion. <laughs> we are legion. They insulted us for a year straight. Two weeks. Every two weeks, they send a new insult. <laughs> <laughs> it's constant propaganda. Listen, listen to them tease us. Take care, listener. <laughs> bye bye. We will not go bye bye. 
You will go bye Oh, boy. We're on Instagram. We're on <laughs> Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. <laughs> we're on... Check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. RedTube. You <laughs> I've been Leland Steele. Now I'm Marty. And I'm Moby. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye. You gotta pay the troll toll. You gotta pay the troll toll to get in. <laughs> troll toll. What did you say? <laughs> troll toll. Hey, hey, hey. Troll toll. <laughs> Day man. No. Ah! <laughs> we can't stop once we start. <laughs> Listener, it's always sunny in Philadelphia season. Oh, fighter of the yeah. night, man. Woo. Oh, oh. <laughs> Champion, Champion of, of the, the sun, sun. <laughs> which will be up, which will be up fairly soon at this rate. In which, by sunlight, we can master our karate and friendship for everyone. <laughs> <laughs>